So I, I remember I got my driver's license seven days after my birthday. It was uh, it was uh, the Bon Jovi tickets were going up for sale, and we went at midnight the next day after I had my driver's license. One day, we went up to the Richfield Coliseum and uh, waited for the box office. Waited in line to get the key. We got the tickets that night. I was doing donuts in a parking lot. Smacked the curb, folded the suspension under it, and told him at the junk car. Literally had my license one day. Welcome to Oil and Whiskey, an Ironclad Original. I am Josh Henning. I'm Phil Gerber. I'm Jeremy Gerber. Welcome to Oil and Whiskey, an Ironclad Original. You remember, watch the full episodes on our new Oil and Whiskey YouTube page. It's brand new. It's got, what does it have on it? It's got all the episodes. Yeah, the episodes. Right. The thing, the thing you're hearing, there's a visual to you go along see with it. it. Yeah, you can actually see it. Boris Marianovsky is the owner of Street Machinery out of Cleveland, Ohio. For over 30 years, Street Machinery has turned out 50s and 60s survivor cruisers and patina rods and trucks. The shop buys and sells vintage and project vehicles and provides turnkey build services. You can learn more about Street Machinery at streetmachinery.com and at Street Machinery on Instagram. Glenn Grozik is a founder of Billet Specialties out of LaGrange, Illinois. Since 1985, fuck, a long time ago. Long time. <laughs> you weren't even born yet, were you? Two years old. <laughs> Billet Specialties wow. has provided industry-leading wheels, steering wheels, interior and exterior accessories, hardware and engine accessories, can learn more about billet specialties at billetspecialties.com and at billet specialties on instagram long time coming boris and glenn welcome to oil and whiskey a twofer okay, today yep yep well, we're yeah, glad we're... to be here because can't wait to hear everything you got to talk about <laughs> yeah. oh, we got two <laughs> and i got double the years on you so i got a lot to talk about <laughs> we got two titans of the industry yeah, this one, <laughs> and this I mean, is we're uh, halfway through season two and good grief i mean you're you're literally 40 minutes away and I mean, well, we're, maybe we're, I'll get invited back if I do a good job tonight. You know? 40 minutes, two and a half hours of traffic. Yeah. We're you know, close friends hour. and we're close, like, physically and yeah. just could not yeah. make this happen. Yeah. Busy I'm sure he's going to come back after you just rub it yeah, in. Yeah, you just guilted him. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'll, I'll definitely come back. <laughs> so what's been going on, guys? <clears throat> just working. Working? Same old stuff, trying to meet customers' demands. Can't make stuff fast enough, you know. Same old no stuff. Idea what you guys built it wrong. No, we built it to what you ordered, but no, we built it wrong. You measured it wrong. <laughs> yeah. Some of that stuff, but no, a lot of good, a lot of good stuff happening. Uh, industry seems to be strong. Um, business is solid. Uh, can't complain. Uh, like everybody, we need more help. Everybody needs more people today. Yeah. It's hard to find. Um, but uh, overall, lead times have come way back in. Things are looking good, so we're happy. Good. Well, Boris, and there isn't a car out there that hasn't passed through your hands. So there's, I mean, there's not, if you're in the automotive industry or that, you know, you own something that Boris has touched or owns, we don't need to like <laughs> embellish much about Boris. But Glenn, on the other hand, Glenn, I've been a long time admirer of yours the way that you operate your business, your business in general, man, when we were out to kind of take a tour of your place, that's probably, 
I've been on all these road tours. I've been through all kinds of shops. It's probably the number one most impressive and stressful looking businesses <laughs> that I've seen. Because when I walk through, I realize I'm like, holy shit, we've got it easy. Because Glenn has lots of little things he makes yeah. and tons and tons of it. Yeah, I appreciate the compliment. Uh, but I think you guys have a hell of an operation up here. And I think you're probably approaching the same level of components that you need to make up here to produce your product line. Yeah, we're making more uh, and more stuff. Yeah. That's for sure. Um, good stuff. Uh you know, I think for any of us, the most important thing about our businesses is to always uphold the quality of the product and try and deliver the best product you can deliver. <clears throat> and Billet Specialties products definitely are not cheap, um, but we're trying to give you the best value for your money. Um, we will never be the cheapest wheel or the cheapest front drive system or whatever, but there's a lot of engineering work that goes into product just as well as your products. And you know what that takes to produce. Oh, absolutely. And that, that time sometimes is a long payback on a product line that you're building before you see any positive cash flow out of it. But, uh, it's been a, it's been a lifelong, uh, dream of mine to, to do what I've done with billet specialties. And, uh, hopefully I'll keep doing it. I do enjoy it. I enjoy the industry. I enjoy the people. Um, so I don't see me walking away anytime soon. It's good, man, to be doing it as long as you and to be, like, kicking ass as long as you've been and still, you know, I would think when i your age, I feel like I'm going to run out of steam. But every time I talk no. to you, you are just, <laughs> it's raring to go. I have uh, <clears throat> a lot of people that have come up to me over the years and they'll be like, you still carry a ton of enthusiasm. Yeah. And when people come into my show, I still get fired up every day about doing a new wheel or doing something. I'm the last guy that walks out of my shop every night. And everybody, I can pretty much guarantee you, leaves two and a half to three hours before I leave. And they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm always looking at stuff. I'm always thinking. I'm always walking the shop floor. You know, everybody thinks I don't know what's going on. I go, hey, guys, let me tell you something. When you're all gone, I walk this floor. I know exactly what's going on, okay? And if I come in at 8 o'clock in the morning and that pile was there at 7 o'clock last night and this pile only grew this much, Guess what? We've been doing for the last two and a half hours or whatever you've been here, okay? You know, it's uh, it's just passion, you know, and I've, I've always liked it. Obviously, I got a lot of cars. I never got any time to drive them, but uh, I guess I just like looking at them. When you're walking through the shop in the evening and lights <clears> are probably <throat> dimmed, everybody's gone, I'm sure the machines are still running because you're running lights out. Um, some of them, a few of them. What's the, what's the feeling? Do you ever stop? And say like, look around and like, holy shit, this is this is pretty cool. Like yeah. I've, I've built quite an amazing business here. Are you able to push through the stress and all the crap that goes on through today to have like a moment of clarity? Yeah. Like it's pretty damn cool. Yeah, you walk the floor, it's silent. You know, you got just night lights on burning, and some of the horizontal machining centers are running and whatnot. Um, and you look out there. A guy was there a week ago, and he says to me, "How many CNC machines do you have?" I said, 45. He's like. 45? I said, yeah. But last year we put in two big robotic polishers, um, and they're pretty amazing to watch. Yeah. You know, and it was a big step. I, I pushed it off for a while. I didn't want to do it. And I said, man, you, you got to do it because you can't hire people. You, you just cannot fulfill those positions. How much and PTO do you start those robots off with when they come in? <laughs> <laughs> Big old zero, Josh. And they, and they work, don't accrue any either. <laughs> and, and they will work 
when it's 100 degrees or 20 <laughs> degrees, and they show up every day. Even on Mondays. Yeah, even on Mondays. <laughs> it's amazing. And you watch that robot move around, you know, and it just, just keeps cranking away, man, you know. And, uh, and the one thing about it is every part comes out the same. That's wild. You know, well, we got so. AI now, so those robots are going to start coming to self-aware. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think but, I was uh, at your place right before you did that. I, I think so. The, I mean, even back when it was done manually, it was still, I mean, that was quite an impressive operation, but, man, labor and intensive. This, it's, uh, we're doing those D-shaped steering wheels, and I should send you guys a video clip of it doing it. But because those wheels are completely surfaced, there's no real turning operation on that because it's not round, obviously. Sure. So you got tool marks and stuff you got to get out, and that was a, a rough thing to get through the polishing shop when you're selling a lot of them. But, man, now you just keep cranking them. They're just running through. So it's really started to pay off. We put them in. Uh, they were delivered a year ago in July. You know, the first three months, you're not doing anything with them. You're, you're learning, putting the stuff together, making fixturing. Um, but after the first year, you could start to see the rewards by putting them in and I'm sure we'll end up purchasing another one. But now we're out of room. We're running out of room quick, man. Yeah. I've got uh, rim shells stacked to the ceiling in every... F <laughs> it's out of... It's, it's out of I need Send it. some up to Boris. You don't have... You got some I, room well, that's what we, that's you know, what we did today. Get <laughs> a pile of wheels. He goes, you want to take this? I got three yeah. chassis on a trailer. Oh, yeah, I yeah. can't take them. He walked in. I said, I got a deal for you, man. You see all these kids right here? I'm sending all that stuff to you, man. I know you can get rid of it. But... Um, what we really need right now is probably a 25,000-foot warehouse to fill with wheels. We're just out of room. But yeah, that's seeing, the next thing. Seeing just the barrels that you had in stock, yeah. that was mind-blowing, which it also seemed like you were probably the only wheel manufacturer out there that wasn't crying the blues during COVID yeah. because you were cranking wheels while everybody else was letting their customers know, well, yeah. I can't get hoops, can't get barrels. Yeah. We stock probably on the average and everybody might think I'm crazy but we probably stock 11,000 hoops in our building. Whoa. Damn. So, yeah. We're not going to run out. They take up fucking space too. Yeah, they do. A lot of room. Um and they're all polished. They're all done. They're all sitting there ready to go. Before we so. get too carried away, we we got to we got to need the origin stories of of, of both. So, whoever oh. wants to go first. Where did the, where I, I want to well, wait a minute. Yeah. I got a story I want to talk to you about Boris. Let's go. How I met him, right? <laughs> okay. So we're at the uh, Indy, good guys, I believe, yeah. at the Adams Mark Hotel, right? Boris is on the parking we lot. We had a mutual friend, too. Gary Case yes. was a, a very good, close personal friend of both of ours, but we didn't know each other. Didn't know him. So he's, I think it was a 61 Chevy. Yeah, I bought it that, that morning. Yeah. I chased the guy in. He was pulling <laughs> so, in. With the for sale sign in the yeah. quarter window, I stopped him and bought it. So he's got a set of uh, uh, SLD 89 wheels of ours on this car, right? I, I had drove a 61 there, and I sold it to uh, um, the grill guy, who, um, Kurt Cunningham's Kurt Cunningham. buddy. Mm -hmm. Kurt Cunningham's buddy, who was not at the show, wanted the car that I drove. So I bought an identical car, but it had steel wheels. So I'm out in the parking lot swapping wheels because <laughs> Kurt's buddy wanted steel wheels on his car. So Glenn's like, what are you doing? Yeah, he's got a bumper jack, okay? A <laughs> fucking bumper jack with the tire iron in it, jacking it up, right? I'm like, what the hell are you doing? He's like, I'm taking the wheels off. I go, for what? He goes, hey, man, I got to put them on the next car. I go, no, you don't. He said, we can get you all them you want. <laughs> that was it. That's what started it all. So it was kind of. 
Ironic, yeah. He's out there, man. It's midnight. He's cranking on the bumper jack. What the fuck are you doing, man? <laughs> I thought he was stealing the wheels. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. yeah I, I was buying my wheels at the time from Lobeck, and Lobeck probably was the only customer that was buying 18s and 20s. And, that were probably the, the only wheels. That might have been probably 80% of Barry's business then if you were buying them wheels. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Barry didn't talk to me for about three months. Then he got over it. Yeah. It was probably making a killing. I came up to uh, my son, York, Pennsylvania. And uh, Junior was, I don't know, he was maybe 21 years old. And they're in the bar drinking. And uh, Barry's telling him, you know, I, I like you. I want to hang around with you more. He goes, you know what they call me, right? T.F. Lobeck. And my son looks at me and says, what are you talking about? He goes, my name's T.F. Lobeck, that fucking Lobeck. He said, that's what they <laughs> refer to me as. He said, but you're going to party with me every night while you're here this weekend. Well, he, he always talked to Glenn all the time when he'd see him, you know. They'd hang out. But yeah, he was, he was a character. Yeah, I never got, like, too friendly with him. I heard some stories that he was quite the fucking party animal. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you another story, which is, is you know, when, when I first started doing billet shit, he was good friends with John Butera and... uh rich from mr gasket well little john had a line of product that was sold through mr gasket that was called little john stuff so we're at sema one year and this is when they debuted the little john stuff and we're standing at the bar at the hilton and barry walks up to me and barry would have an attitude you know if, if, if you weren't on his good side i mean he had no problems telling you right how the fuck it was so he walks up to me and goes what do you think of the little john stuff i said yeah i saw it. it's all right you're not fucking worried? I go, no. You should fucking be. I go, well, I'm not. And he goes, the motherfucker's going to put you out of business. I go, get the fuck out of here, Barry. Okay? <laughs> so about five years went by, little John stuff's gone. I walk up to Barry at scene. I say, hey, Barry. I didn't see the Mr. Gasket booth with little John stuff in it. I said, what the fuck happened? <laughs> <laughs> You're a motherfucker. <laughs> you know that? I go, no. It's just can't it's just it's just business man yeah you know, if it's and then of course you had the stories of me and boyd we'd get into it i was waiting to get into that <laughs> yeah, yeah i figured boyd, that, that, i got, got some pretty good ones that's there. gonna be a whole segment yeah this because we've yeah. chatted about that a little bit i know just a little bit about that but yeah that there and it's you know so when you when y'all met there at adams mart you were just you were flipping cars selling parts then what were you doing no i started my shop in the uh in the early 90s right out of I skipped, uh, graduated high school, was working in a mechanic shop. I said, I'm going to take a year off before I go to college. And I was making, my boss gave me, uh, he uh, doubled my pay when I graduated high school. I was making $5 an hour, and then as soon as I graduated high school, it paid me $10 an hour. What would you do with all that extra cash? Yeah, <laughs> well, I was working my ass off, so I was saving some money. But uh, I did that um, for a few years, and then... Uh, I just I said I wanted to go on on my own and uh, rented a little three hundred seventy five dollar a month garage that I had to had to pull the car straight in, then jack it up, pull it over to the side, then I could pull another car in, and that was it. Once those two cars were in, I wasn't working on anything else till they were done. Did that for about eleven months, saved up enough money to get a bigger shop, and just kept growing and growing and growing. Mid nineties, I think about ninety six on a power tour I met Brett from Rytech and I thought that air ride on his Mustang was the coolest 
shit. So I went home. He gave me his number. I went home, ordered all the shit, went and bought a brand new pickup truck, Chevy dealer, put it all on there. And I was like, man, this, and then people started calling me for air rides. So I ended up becoming the air ride guy while still having my mechanical shop. And then I think right around 2000, I started pulling back from doing regular cars and more and more hot rod work. And I think about 2003, I started getting an employee and another employee and another employee. And that's how it grew. into the massive mm. snowball that you've got going out. Yeah, it's just machinery empire. Yeah. It just yeah. kept growing and growing. We just kept finding, uh, you know, lots of stepping stones for us. The, ride, the air ride was one thing. Then I was at the good guys, and I think 97 or 98, there was a, I think it was a guy from Ossie Chevelle Parts. I think that's whose car it was. It was like a powder blue 55 Chevy, bone stock, dog dish, hubcaps, he popped the hood and it had an LS1. Went home, started looking for a wrecked car. And I think it wasn't until 99. I bought a brand new Camaro, had like 400 miles or 4,000, maybe not even 1,000 miles, but it was looked like it was hit by a train, but the drivetrain didn't get hurt at all. So I put that in a wagon and became the LS guy. Then I bought a 58. Biscayne, or might have been a Del Rey. I bought it on eBay. It's all patinaed. Pulled the chassis out, powder coated it, did the bottom, put a big block in it. Then it became the patina guy. So it was just like whatever we got into, that kind of work, that kind of product, just kept pushing it. You know, and it pretty much just kept doing whatever I liked, and it worked. Kind of like your chassis. Yeah. Did the first one? Like, oh my. God, why are we even bothering taking these antiquated 50, 60-year-old chassis and bolting all this shit on when we could just buy and start working? And uh, I, I pushed the product like crazy, not because I you know, want to make money on it. Well, I do, but, I mean, it works. I believe in it. And uh, that's why now probably half the phone calls and emails we field in a day is about chassis. Wow. And Boris is the roadster shop chassis guy now. Yeah. Man, he's I feel like oh, no, we've, we've gotten somewhere. Like we're. He's done a yeah. fucking fantastic yeah. job at it. I mean, you're the only stocking dealer. Yeah. We had talked about that a couple of years ago. I said, <clears throat> I want to have some of these in stock. And you're like, you guys were like, we want you to have some in stock. <laughs> yeah. At first, I was like, dude, you're crazy. We, anytime we have like one in stock, like we can't sell it. We could sell 500 slammed airbag C10s until we build one. I'm like, all right, we're going to use this as a display, and then we're going to yeah. sell it. Then we don't get an order for that one for, like, six months. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I was hesitant at first, and you're just like, dude, I'll fucking sell them. I'll sell them. Don't you worry. And yeah. uh, Anybody who knows Boris, I think uh, Hustler is your middle name. Yeah. Not the magazine, but yeah. maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, but I think today it was, uh, I think, on our chassis tracker, we're at 85 delivery for this year so i had a goal Damn. back in january for 100 but i think we're gonna exceed that by <laughs> Dude, quite that's, a bit yeah. that's awesome man can you start building them too maybe yeah. he, can, <laughs> he can help out you <laughs> got any extra space over there we'll <laughs> just send them in to do it yourself kit yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> send him the pieces yeah. weld it up i'm gonna get one of those robots like he's got there you go yeah. Dude, i'll tell you what mine will call off though yeah i'll tell you what's <laughs> crazy for a guy like you that's done i mean you've sold something or many things to everybody out there. And 
most of it's well, a lot of it's stuff you haven't manufactured. You just, you know, you've moved it. And I've still to this day, I've never heard a guy be like, yeah, I bought this car from Boris. He really fucked me on this thing. You know, never one guy. And you hear everybody's bought something from you. You haven't met that guy yet? No, I have. I mean, I'm sure he's out there somewhere. <laughs> he's out but there. I mean, it speaks sure. to the kind of guy you are that, you know, and what, yeah. you know, what street machinery does is that the amount of stuff that you move and especially the reputation. when he's probably selling the same car like five and six and seven times. I've, right. I've, I've, yeah. I've done it. <laughs> you know it inside and out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've always said that I, I, I would never ever, if something happened, whether it was my fault or not, I would take care of whatever needed to be taken care of. That's just how I am because I don't want somebody going out there and say, yeah, he screwed me on that deal or whatever. I mean, I've, I've had guys call me and they're like, Hey, I got this car and you didn't tell me about this and tell me about send it back. I mean, send it back. Yeah. I might've missed this or I might've missed that. It wasn't on purpose. Right. Send it back. I mean, reputations, everything, especially like, I mean, the way you started out and I mean, in the early two thousands and doing it, I mean, it was word of mouth. That's how you got, I mean, you weren't out there doing, you know, crazy uh, full-page Hot Rod Magazine ads right. and doing right. all this kind of stuff. Was, like you said, you became that guy from word of mouth. You don't put an ad out and say, I'm the air ride, air ride guy, or now I'm the patina guy. It's going to the shows. It's it's having that good name yeah. and, and standing behind everything that you sell. A lot of networking. I met a lot of people. Made a lot of connections over the years. Every time I sold a car to somebody, every time I worked on somebody's car, car and they went to an event, it was always, that's another business card out there, just like you guys, you know. So... Networking is definitely key. You know, it, it feels good to have some of the people that I looked up to when I was in high school and looking through Hot Rod Magazine and seeing popular names. And then later on in life, those guys calling me going, hey, where can I find one of these? Or can you help me with this? You know, so it feels pretty good. You know, you think at the end of 2023, you'll sell more Roadster Shop chassis or Billet Specialties wheels? Well, you need four. Four yeah. to one. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, so count the sets. Count yeah. the sets. And then, and then Josh, you got to remember the guys that don't put a chassis underneath it. We still got a shot at them guys. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean. Well, I mean, we ship 24 wheels at a time. So, I mean. That's how many fit on it. That's, that's how many fit on it. All right, all right. Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> what do you think you do? So I mean, because you sell a ton, a ton of lens okay. wheels. Yeah. What's an average year? Oh, I don't know. I'd say probably know. about a quarter million dollars, I would think. Oh, something like eight that. More. 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 Way more. Yeah. Some good value. Yeah, we move a lot of wheels. Yeah, I saw him to him for 100 bucks a piece, too. <laughs> he gets the scratch and dent ones, right? The ones that aren't quite round anymore. He's getting a load of, he's getting a load of some stuff that was there. He'll be, he'll be doing real. He'll be ordering more chassis, trust me. <laughs> yeah. hey, he's When I pulled up, there was wheels that had actually had printed on the box it had the name of the wheel the size and it says boris next to it <laughs> and it reminded yeah. me of the time i bought my i bought my high school trans am back i sold it to a guy i bought it when i was 17 i sold it when i was 23 to a guy local guy and uh i i got the word a couple years ago that it was for sale well i wanted it back and i showed up and he's got my registration from 1992 taped in the window my name and everything. I'm like, well, you knew I'm going to buy this thing just by putting <laughs> my registration in the window. So Glenn did the same thing, put my name on the wheels. Yep. I'll so be right back. I'm going to go. <laughs> Label a bunch of chassis. Yeah. There you go. So tell us, tell us uh, your start. <clears throat> I know, you know, we've talked a good bit. And I know, you know, your dad had a, 
machine shop and yeah. <clears throat> seen some of his old tools and uh, I'm anxious to hear some more of those stories as I well because he was he was a little oh, he old was, school he was old school I started right out of eighth grade uh, went to work with him every morning come home every night six o'clock go back Saturday morning um, actually started and he he was more into fabricating than he was uh, machining uh, but he he had CNC's in there, but he was probably most of his business, I would say, was 70% fab work. Fab and uh, like what? What kind of parts and stuff? All types of stuff. We did work for Caterpillar. We did a lot of work for Hendrickson Truck Suspension, uh, Electromotive, uh, so weldments, different things, you know. So I I cut my teeth on the fab side first. That's why I told you when, I, when I'm when i old and I, I want to go do something, I come sit here and TIG weld all the time. We got a bay with your name on it. You know, so just let me sit there and weld under my hood and just... <laughs> Dream about all the good old days, you know. That's it. I like to do it right next to you. And yeah, we'll get that's, two that's, bays. That's it. Perfect. You know, nobody bothered me. Hey, one thing about business I don't like is obviously the paperwork side. I'm not an office guy. I'm a shop guy. Um, grown up in the shop. But anyway, I started working for my dad. Uh, it's basically 13 years old. And I just <clears throat> really liked working with my hands and building something. So, you know, I worked all through high school. And then, uh, you know, of course, he wanted me to go to college, and that was not an option. I, I didn't like going to high school, let alone going to college, you know. Um, so anyway, went to COD, took a few classes, accounting, different stuff like that. And he sticks me, tells me to take a welding class, right? So I take advanced welding, right? I get in there, and we're sitting in the booth, you know. We're welding away, and the teacher walks up to me, and he looks at me. He goes, where'd you learn how to weld? He said, well, my dad's got a buzz box in the garage. I screw around with it. He looked at me. He goes, you're full of shit. <laughs> he goes, what are you doing here? I go, my old man wants me to go to school. He goes, I don't know if you're going to learn anything in this class this semester. <laughs> so anyway, I came back to work. And I told my dad, I said, I'm, I'm done. I'm not going back. I'm done. You know, you, you should go. And I said, I'm not. We're here. Here we are. So anyway, um, he comes home and he tells my mom the one day. He says, you know. All through high school, I never saw those books leave the back seat of that car. Every morning when I'd leave, his car was in the driveway. All them books were sitting in the same spot they were sitting yesterday. And he goes, I don't know how the hell he ever did anything with himself because he never took them books out of the car, you know. So anyway, make a long story short, I'm working for my dad. Uh, I was always in cars. My 32.5 one I bought when I was 14 years old. Um, I've done it three times. I did it twice, then the last time I had Brizio do it. Um, so that was, I was bit by the car bug, you know. So anyway, I started messing around, and I would go to the Kane County. There was a big uh, swap meet out there in September every year, and I started building a few widgets and stuff, and I would take them out there and sell them with a couple of guys I hung around with that were four or five years older than me. Uh, and I don't know what or why, but uh, I went to the Street Rod Nationals in 1982, and I seen all this stuff, and I was like, man, I'm going to start building some of this stuff. And I started building it. And every time I started building more, my dad would say, what are you doing? And I go, making some parts, you know. Were you fabbing no. stuff at that point, or was uh, it machining? I started actually fabricating some stuff, like ladder bars, you know, like the rear yeah. ladder bars and stuff like that for your, your T's and Model A's and roasters and stuff like that. Um, but then... We, we bought a, another machine. He had two CNC lathes at the time. We bought a machining center to do some work for a guy, and I took over the machining center. So that's when I got into the machining side of it. 
and I was doing all the programming. So within a year, he had three machining centers, you know, and I was handling all of those. So then I started making the hot rod stuff, valve covers, air cleaners, pulleys, all that type of stuff. What did you see at Street Rod Nationals? That Like, what parts do you remember? Like, yeah, I, like I can remember an explicit conversation with fucking Lobeck. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Shit, all the way back then. Yes. And I walked you were a up. Kid, to, right? Yeah, I was 23 years old. And I walked up to Barry, and he had his 32 sedan delivery there, and he had an air cleaner there. And Kurt from the Carriage Works was the guy who made the air cleaner at that time. And I asked Lobeck, what kind of element do you use in there? And he goes, I ain't fucking telling you. <laughs> I'm just a kid. I'm, I'm fucking nobody. I'm a zero, okay? So he kind of pissed me off, all right? <laughs> Honest to God. So I went home. I went to my buddy that owned the auto parts store, and I said, hey, who makes an oval air cleaner? Like, he goes, oh, that's a Ford Escort element, blah, 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 3193 or some bullshit. He said, Pull one out. So he pulled one out. I went back to the shop and drew one up, and we made it. And then me and Lobeck became great friends years <laughs> down the road. But uh, so anyway, that's kind of how it started. And I kept building stuff, and, and then we would add some machines. So then eventually we lost a big contract on, on one of the machining centers. And my dad's like, what are you going to do? I said, we're going to make hot rod parts. He's like, what? So I'm there day and night making stuff, you know, and, and uh, just trying to get something going. And, how are you uh, selling the stuff at that point? At that point... Um, local swaps, and then I did take an ad out in Street Rider Magazine and in Street Scene. And, I mean, I knew nothing about marketing. I mean, you know, we were doing work for everybody. So... Bill of Specialties at that point? Yes. Okay. Yes, 1985. So now we did a lot of work for General Motors, uh, Electromotive, the division, right? And they were moving their operation to Canada, and they were in a crunch. They were grinding for price, you know? And... Uh, so anyway, they're coming in the one day, and at this point, I'm pretty much running my dad's shop. Uh, this is probably 1990-ish, something like that. And uh, they come in, and we have this meeting, and I'm sitting on this side of the desk, and the head of the purchasing department's over there, and my dad's sitting next to him. And they go, we want a another 5% cost reduction. And I said, well, that ain't going to happen. I go, we can't do it. They go, well, you're going to do it, or you're going to lose the business. I said, Really? I go, well, your volume ain't what it used to be. You need, you understand. Well, we're your biggest customer. I said, <laughs> hold on, buddy. At one time you were. Today you are not our biggest customer. And uh, he said, well, you know, you're going to give us a price reduction. We're going to lose the business. I said, it looks like we don't have nothing to talk about. I said, take all your shit and get it out of here. <laughs> My dad's sitting on the other side of the desk. He's going, what What the fuck are you doing? So the guy I walks out. He says, well, I'm going to cancel all of them. I said, cancel all of them. I go, I'm making nothing. Throw all this shit out. So my dad comes to me and he goes, you are one cocky motherfucker. <laughs> and I said, nope, I'm just going to show you the other way to go, you know. And so at that point, I was going to bankrupt my old man. That's what he thought, you know. So life goes on. EMD's gone. Things are good. Bill of parts are running. And uh, I'm ordering machines like crazy, right, putting more stuff in the shop. And he comes in the one day and he, I, I said, I want to talk to him and order three more machining centers. And he said, for what? And I said, we need them. You know, or we got a lot of work, a lot of orders, and we need more, more equipment. He says, you don't need to do shit. Just run what you got. He said, sit down. And my dad never told me to sit down or never had a heart-to-heart ever. So he walks over, he closes the office door, sits down on the other side of the desk, and he says, you need to take some time and smell the fucking roses. I said, what? He says, all you do is work. 
He said, you don't need three more machines. He said, just keep doing what you're doing. He said, I told you you were going to bankrupt me. He said, you made more money in 10 years than I made my whole fucking life. And he said, and I told you you were going to bankrupt me. He said, you know, you got a beautiful shop. You got a great product line. You just built a new house. He said, you don't need to do this. Well, anyway, I said, well, maybe you don't think we need to do it, but I'm going to order three more machining centers, right? He got up. He walked to the door. He turned around, and he said, you're still a fucking jag-off. And he walked right <laughs> out the fucking door. That's what he said to me, right? And six months later, he died. So he never saw what we've done today. But uh, that was so you, this was, this discussion was after you built the house? Because I know he had some choice things to oh, say he about had, oh, the house. Too. Oh, fuck. That was a whole nother, that was a whole nother one, you know? He walked over there the day they dug the hole. So I basically live almost across the street from where my parents live. So anyway, I had a, a house that I bought. I live on five acres, and I was going to, I lived there for 10 years. And I'm just going to tear that house down and build a new house, right? So they come, they're excavating. He walks up to the back of my old house. It's still there. You're living in it. And he looks at the hole and he goes, you're out of your fucking mind, <laughs> right? <laughs> and my neighbor's with him. And Noel had just put a big addition on his house. And he, and he says, George, that's going to be a beautiful house. He's fucking nuts. You know, and, he, and so now he walks away. He never came to my house the whole time I built it, okay? He was so pissed off at me. And so he goes by my mom and she says, hey, George, remember when you started your business and your dad told you you were crazy? My dad worked for Reynolds Aluminum, uh, that he was going to go start his own business. You got a great job. Why are you going to quit your job? She goes, if you'd have listened to your old man, where would you be today? She goes, don't tell him what to do. Did he ask you for any money? He said, no. She said, then I guess you don't have a say. Let him do what he wants to do. So every day, I'd be out there with the guys. I generaled the job, right? So my carpenters would be there, and I'd be out in the front, you know, at 730 in the morning talking to them. And my old man would drive by in his car, and he'd go like this. <laughs> get, get the fuck to work, right? So, so anyway, you know, we did that. So, so now I had this old Italian that was a bricklayer that did my house, and... Uh, He's there one day, and I, I didn't know this, but I guess my dad, sometimes during the middle of the day, he'd come over there and see what was going on. So this Italian, Amadeo was his name, one day my dad walks over there, and he's like, hi, how are you? You know, and He didn't know who my dad was, but he kind of figured it, figured it out. You know, the guy was looking, and he says to my dad, he goes, beautiful house, huh? And my dad's like, mm. he goes, big house too. Yeah. You know, and so he goes, uh, you Glenn's dad? Yeah. He goes, uh, I don't know why he's doing this. And the bricklayer says to me, he says, hey, it's a beautiful house. He said, your son's a nice guy. He said, he's, he knows what he wants. He knows what he's doing. He said, it's going to come out really nice. So they become friends, right? Amadeo's bringing homemade wine. They're over there. They're doing <laughs> this, you know. And, and I know none of this, okay? So finally... The house is done. It's Christmas time, so we have everybody over, you know, and, and my dad walks in my house. Now, he's never been in it since it's done. It's all finished. And he looks at me and goes, how did you do this? I said, do what? He said, build this house. I said, I, I looked around. I knew what I wanted, and I do it. He goes, yeah, but how did you do that, run Bill Especially's and run my business? He said, how'd you get it all done? I said, I guess it was you outside the house with the fucking pointing at the watch every morning. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but 
you know, it was, yeah, he was a treat, you know, but he was a, and he would never tell you um, if you did something really good. He would say, man, that's really good, great job, blah, blah. He would just look at it and kind of like just smile a little bit, but he would never, ever tell you. No news is good news. Correct. That's how he was, you know, just through his expressions, you could tell that he liked it. So when I built the first wheel and uh, he was at home, I said, I want to show you something. Yeah, okay, come on over. So I walk in, he's sitting in the family room, he's watching TV, and I walk in with a wheel and I set it on the floor. He looks at it and he goes, what, how the fuck did you do that? I said, this is, you know, something that's going on in the aftermarket automotive, hot rod world or whatever. He says, man, I don't know nothing about wheels. He goes, but that'll sell. You know, and then from that day on, he never really ever challenged me anymore. But it was, I mean, it was fights. What year was that with the first wheel? 1988. Shit. 15? Was it a 15 inch? Yeah. Yep. What did you see going on in the industry that made you decide to? You saw this whole craze, you know, with machined aluminum parts coming on. You know, the billet thing was. going on heavy at that time, uh, demand for it. Um, the wheel industry, I think, was very stale, uh, other than, you know, an American Racing or an uh, Anson Sprint-looking wheel. Uh, Boyd was making some wheels at that time. Um, you saw interest in that. You've seen people, uh, there was another guy, Bob Sabarbro, that was building some wheels, and, you know, him and Boyd didn't get along either. Um, was it, a, it was a two-piece at that point? That was three-piece they were doing at that point. And then I had a real good friend of mine who owned 22 American Racing Warehouses, Jim Kelly. And uh, I told Jim, I said, I want to get in the wheel business. He says, why the hell do you want to do that? I said, I want to make some wheels for these hot rods, you know. And so I started buying rims from American Racing. He hooked it up for me. Well, when Boyd found out I was getting rims, he blew a gasket, man, you know. And, but I also had another friend of mine that built steel wheels years ago, and I went to school with his with his son and daughter, and uh, Art Hale Sr. had bought Don Melbinger's company. They were in Stone Park, and back in the day, they made like the wagon wheels for the lifted trucks. Yeah. Don developed all that, and Art Hale bought his business and moved him to California. Huh. So I knew Art, I knew uh, Don very well, ever since I was in high school. So I kind of had a connection with those guys, uh, so you had, you had some people to, to run some things by. Because that's where yeah. my next question is like, what, how the fuck? You don't just be like, I'm going so to tell you a story. The wheel. <laughs> I mean, seriously. <laughs> so, so Don Melbinger comes in town, and uh, I wanted to come by my shop because I wanted to show him a couple of finished wheels. And I said, I want to know if these wheels are, you know, are they true enough? Are they good enough? Whatever. So he comes in, and I, I put the wheel up there, and I put indicators on the run out of the beat seats and stuff. And I look at him, I go, are they Okay. He goes, oh, yeah, they're okay. And I said, well, what do you mean they're okay? He said, no, they're, they're okay. He said, no, that, that wheel will go 200 miles an hour, as true as that wheel is. And I said, really? He said, yeah. He goes, how in the fuck are you doing this? So I took him in the back, and I showed him how we were assembling and what we were doing. He goes, yeah, you're right on. He goes, you know what you're doing. And I had never been in America. I've never been anywhere to see it, you know. But my dad's background was aluminum fabrication, okay, back when he was in he knew so much about aluminum and different alloys that he, he he really had an influence on me when it came to welding, fabricating, putting stuff out. Um, it seems like a lot of times not knowing how to do something is the best way to do something. Yeah. Because 
then you don't know what the not to do. Well, right? you don't know what not, not to do, and you don't know what the standard yeah. is, and maybe that yeah. standard is too low. Right. So all you're you're just going to do it the way you know how to right. do it. You know, school of hard knocks. Yeah, yeah. And how do you go into the wheel business when you're essentially the only thing out there other than Boyd is like you can go buy an American Racing cast center wheel for what like. 75 oh, bucks a oh, wheel probably or back at the then. time. Yeah, probably. And your you're material gonna, cost is probably yeah. that. And you're going to go oh, to market with more, yeah. what, I mean, back, at what, that what time, does the wheel cost? We were years? getting, for 15-inch wheels, we were getting $1,600 a set. That's damn fucking nuts at that time, I bet. Yeah. I mean, it was high, yeah. I mean. That was crazy. Stupid. Like you said, you could have bought a set of American racing wheels for under 400 bucks. What are you doing on, on, uh. Are you asking American Race and some of the other guys that you know in like popular fitment stuff, or are you just being like, okay, I'm going to do you uh, know, 15 by 7 and 5 on 5 and 5 on 4 and 3 quarter? And yeah, it, it, you know, we were we were catering to hot rods back then. So it was like a 15, 6, 3 and a half on the front, and either it was a 15, 7, 3 and a half, or 4 on the back, or 15, 8, 4 and a half. So it was very common. Okay. And when we first started doing wheels, they were full brush finish. That was the look back then. Yeah. Then it went to polished. Probably no, harder no. to brush them, isn't it? Yeah. Eh, it's like uniform. Yeah, it is, yeah. But, you know, now brushing's coming back again. Now you got to have 99 different colors mm-hmm. and all the different <laughs> shit, you know. And it's, it's the Back wheel business has gotten more complicated oh, yeah, the last four or five years. Crazy. Brake profiles. Back you know, then, we, I mean, everybody had what? Yeah. There was one set of brakes? Yeah. The, the biggest brake you had to deal with was a, the C3 generation Corvette, whatever, would had seven eighths caliper or whatever it was on it. That was it, three quarter caliper. Now you need to clear two inches on some stuff, you know, three. So, and today it's very common for us on on some of these uh, let's call them urban fitments, uh, and even your pro touring. Where, you know, you got a big pad on the front wheel, but a smaller pad. Everybody wants lip on a wheel. Yeah. So we went every for the years. Everything was talked about in backspace or offset. Now you answer the telephone. I want seven inches of lip. You don't measure a wheel by lip, buddy. What kind of car do you got? And you got to fill the sheet. I go. Your fitment dictates how much lip you're going to have, or center profile. Well, I'm just telling you, I want seven inches of lip. So yeah, you figure, figure out. the rest. <laughs> <laughs> you keep back talking, you'll get seven inches of lip. <laughs> but yeah, um, so it, it's changed. Um, the language has changed, you know, and it how, how they want to describe it. Uh, but, you know, even like the forging profiles, we probably have, I'll bet you I got 50 different forging profiles that are built for us, you know. So by the time you stock all of that and, and all the rims and the different center profiles and turning, it's, it's crazy. I think we added last week to our, our race series program, I think we added over 2,000 part numbers that can be built. When did you see your first set of Bill Specialties wheels? First set was... Uh no, I bought a used set. I drove all the way to Chicago. I drove. There used to be a, an auction. I drove up here to buy a '62 bubble top. Was, was there like a White Lake or something or Crystal Lake? Crystal Lake. Crystal, Crystal, Crystal Lake. Lake. There was yeah, an right auction at Crystal Lake, and they had a 409 Roman Red '62 bubble top. So, I drove up here to buy that car, and somebody had a used set of Bill, especially five on five, like OBS fitment wheels. And uh, I don't even know how, where I found them. Maybe like on sporttruck.com or something. And my first set was actually used. It was probably one of my ex-employees that took them out <laughs> the back door. Out the back door. <laughs> yeah, that was my first set. But my first new set was a set of SLD 89s that I bought from, from Lobeck. I still mm-hmm. remember it was 
1670 bucks. And everybody, when I went there to pick them up, everybody in the whole shop was like, what are you putting those on? And I'm going to put them on a 62 wagon. And they're like, oh, man, that big? That was my first yeah. first set of new billet wheels. When did, uh, you said Boyd blew a gasket when he found it. When did he, when did you get on Boyd's radar? <clears throat> when you started buying barrels? Oh, yeah, 1988, 1989. And he was oh, the, he, he was finger on the that big much of the pulse of what's oh, going yeah. on. Oh, he was yeah. the king yeah. shit in the wheel yeah. business at oh, that yeah. time. Yeah, he he had a head of steam going and uh you know he, he you know he called me up on the telephone. He goes, I don't like competition. And I'm and I'm thinking it's him and Trader Tim. I don't know if you knew Trader Tim from Traders, Traders. back in the day. Um so anyway, they're both on the phone with a conference call with me and my sister had answered the phone. She said that Boyd Coddington's on the telephone. I'm like, what? Why is Traders on the on the call? Because he was a big Boyd distributor at the time. Uh-huh. Well, he was going to flex his muscles with Boyd on the phone. So Boyd calls me up, and uh, he's 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 spitting. He's livid. He's like, he opened the magazine, and we had a full page ad in the magazine, right? And he he says to me, he goes, you know, I don't like competition. He said, I just got the new Street Rider magazine, and he said, I'm tired of looking at your fucking ad. I said, well, turn the fucking page. That's exactly what I told him. <laughs> well, right? Yeah, turn the page is another bill, especially because you used to have like eight so, pages ads in those things. So anyway, Tim jumps in, you know, they're they're both bickering whatever about it. And he goes, you know, I don't like competition and this is bullshit and blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, then, Boyd, I said, you know what? I said, when you were working at Disneyland, I said, we still had CNC machines here, okay, in my dad's business. I said, I don't know. You don't even know who you're talking to. I said, but I said, uh, I just want you to know what you do isn't witchcraft, okay? I said, it can be done. And I said, uh, I, I'm sorry you don't like competition. I go, but I kind of thrive on it. <laughs> I said, so um, I don't think I'm going anywhere. So I go, just get used to seeing the ads, and that's it. So there was a guy back in the day who's passed away now, Nick, who owned Big Al Carponents, and he made gas pedals. And Boyd built his gas pedals and door handles and stuff. And so Nick was real good friends with another buddy of mine on Kansas City, Don Kane, and uh, he called Don, and he said, holy shit, man, I was at Boyd's today, and they called Glenn, and he said, I don't know what Glenn said to him, he said, but he came out of that office, and he was fucking shaking, he said, he had a set of veneer calipers in his hands, he said he was so nervous, he dropped them motherfuckers, man, (laughs) right, and Don started laughing, he goes, oh, he'll get over it, you know, but uh, that's when it all started. No, so it was, uh, but you know, Boyd was Boyd wasn't just like that with me. He was like that with Alan Budnick. He was like that with Greg Weld, and me and Greg Weld were were real good friends. Okay, and and when Greg wanted to do some billet wheels, I actually made Greg his first billet wheel centers. And uh, so me and Greg were good. I've been through Weld Racing. You know, come on down. We went to lunch. Uh, you know, Greg was a very he's an innovator. That guy was on the gas. All day, every day. Um, I had a lot of respect for that guy. You know, it's he was funny that uh, Boyd's telling you that stuff, and he, you know, like you said, he has no idea who he's talking to. Right. But he also has no idea how him telling you you you, you can't make it, you're not going to make it. I don't like competition. Mm-hmm. That basically, that's what you've been told your whole life. That's your yeah. dad always. You know, you, you just talked about it. That's what drove you even more. It's that's, t- somebody telling you not to do it. That's what I was going to say. I go, you just gave me the best, <laughs> best pep talk of my life yeah. by doing that because I knew you were vulnerable, okay, that 
that you didn't like it. So the more I pushed, the more I got under your skin. Sure to weakness. But I didn't, I didn't do it because I didn't like the guy. I mean, he just felt that at the time, I think he felt that he <clears throat> created this high-tech street rod world and that nobody could have a piece of it other than him. And, you know, this goes on later, years down the road. Me and him got into it in Louisville um, at the Street Rod Nationals. He came, every year he would come to Louisville, and he would run a sale that was just stupid. Oh, yeah. Okay, stupid. So um, He would do like 30 and 40% off. On so, so wait. So, <laughs> so the one year I, I about had enough of it, and uh, I said uh, to my guys, I said, we're going to run a sale. They go, what are you going to do? I said, well, we're going to knock the dealer program. We're going to sell it dealer, and we're going to give the dealers. We're still going to give them their discount. We're going to run a sale this weekend. You're going to what? I said, we're going to do it. I said, I just want to watch what the fuck happens. <laughs> right? So we're there, and I think we sold 260 sets of wheels that weekend. Okay. Jesus. So now Johnny Friend from Hunter's Automotive, he's outside <clears throat> at his booth. I'm inside. And I go walking out by Johnny, and Johnny is set up directly across from Boyd. So as I come walking by, Boyd says to me, did you just sell your fucking quota? And I, I turned around, and I was like, Johnny, I said, did he say something to me? Johnny says, don't start. <laughs> don't start. I said, no, nope. enough, enough's enough. I walked up to him. I said, you know what, Boyd? I said, I respected you. Okay, I said, you've done a lot for the industry. I said, but you know what? You can go fuck yourself, okay? I said, I don't know. If you think, he goes, well, I don't like competition. I invented that fucking wheel. I go, you didn't invent the fucking wheel. The caveman invented the fucking wheel, okay? <laughs> I go, we just improved it, okay? I go, so put all that bullshit aside. If it wasn't for me, I said, if it wasn't for fucking Henry Ford, there wouldn't be any 32 Fords on this fairground right now, okay? I go, so you want to take credit for that too? And we got into it, man, right? Well, he had an ice cream cone in his hand. He started shaking again. He dropped that fucking ice cream cone. He thought I was going to hit him. So John Stroud, who worked for Budnick, who worked, actually, John worked for Boyd, then he worked for Budnick. Now he's working for the NSRA. He sees me after this thing gets done. He goes, what the fuck? I thought you were going to deck him. I said, no, John, I wasn't going to hit him. Well, Johnny Friend told me, he said he got in his car. He never came back the whole weekend. He left. But then you heard the story years ago at Good Guys Indy when Al Mains from Colorado Custom knocked him out in the freaking no, banquet. I, I didn't hear that. Cool. No. Oh, yeah. Boyd is in the lobby, and Al Mains is behind him talking to some people. And Boyd says, yeah, I don't know who the fuck that Colorado Custom guy is, but uh, I'm tired of his bullshit, too, or whatever. Well, Al Mains was, he was a little rowdy. Me and him got along real good, too. Okay? <laughs> so, so anyway... Uh, he heard Boyd say that. So he tapped Boyd on the shoulder and he said, Boyd, Boyd kind of says, Al Mains, go fuck yourself. And he hauls off with a right and knocks Boyd out right in the middle of the line. Damn. Well, he got arrested. Boyd pressed charges on him, I believe, was arrested. So the, the wheel business gets we a little crazy. Where man. is that shit? I was just going to ask, just to curtail where I know this is going to go. Can you get away with that now? No, I don't think so. Uh, you heard Josh, that, right? Josh tried. <laughs> You remember, I wasn't there for it, but we had a similar situation in the chassis business. Remember, you were at a certain Texas shop. Oh, had a, had yourself I, an altercation. Well, I let it. I gave him warning 
what was about to happen, and he could yeah. make a choice on if it was going to happen or not. He yeah. chose for it not to happen. So, yeah, it was uh, some pretty crazy times. But it, <clears throat> you know, it's egos. I guess it that, is. It's all egos, you know. And and uh, there's a certain I, there's a certain portion of it that though that is it is healthy yeah. for the competition and the push. Absolutely. It just at certain point, like it it does need to kind of. Yeah, I mean, and you know, I told Boyd this. I said, you know. We need to all get along. I said, you're not going to get all the wheel business. I'm not going to get all the wheel business. And I think it's up to the customer. The customer should get what he wants. So if he likes a Boyd wheel, buy a Boyd wheel. If he likes a Budnick wheel, buy a Budnick wheel. If he wants a billet wheel, buy a billet wheel. Whatever it is, it's it's their choice. It's uh, So, I mean, you're, it's 31 flavors. Pick what you want. Pick what you like. Sure. But I said, I think we should all be thankful for the industry and the opportunities that we've had. And we've all done very well. And I think there's room for, I mean, look at how many chassis manufacturers yeah. there are, guys. You well, know? They're, yeah, they're out, I've always, you know, I've said that too. The guys who build quality mm. stuff, I mean, I've always had respect for their competitor of ours. Like, Maybe we should absolutely. start decking them, though. Well, but no, I've always respected <laughs> Art Morrison. And what yeah. they build. I mean, he's got a great business. Yeah. They build a good product. I've, I've had respect. I mean, Kyle Tucker's a friend yeah. of ours. He does. I mean, Kyle's a damn rock star. He's he built a hell of a product. podcast. I mean, who are you going to? Yeah, right. No, exactly. It's, Did y'all ever bury the hatchet? Yeah, I can tell you. Um, so one day I get a phone call from Dwayne, and actually he was talking to Keith because uh, Boyd needed an LS True Track for his TV show. So Dwayne called and talked to Keith, and he said, Can you talk to Glenn and see if we can buy a True Track? He says, You know, we need one for this car, and I know him and Boyd got bad blood and blah, 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 and, and uh, I just want to see if we can get something going, if we can buy one. So Keith comes to me, he says, what do you want to do? I says, well, I'm not against selling one to him. I said, but I'm going to tell you what. I get one bad rap, you know, press-wise or, or, or something out of it. I said, that's it. I'm done. So he calls him back. He says, yeah, we'll sell you one, right? So we send it to him. Uh, here's Boyd's personal credit card. We don't need his personal credit card. Here's his cell phone if Glenn wants to call him. I said, I don't need a cell phone number. I said, just send him the, the true track system. So he got it. About two weeks go by. Dwayne calls up again. He goes, I need another one. Need another one? Yeah. He said, man, they're nice. Okay. Send him another one. Another one goes by. He orders another one. So at SEMA, Boyd came to our booth to see me. And I was, I was not there, and he talked to Scott. And he said, is Glenn here? And he, I, Scott says, no. He's... he's with a customer or somewhere. He says, well, make sure you tell him that I stopped by to see him. He said, I just wanted to tell him I understand why he's in business now. He said, because he builds a hell of a product and uh, just tell him thank you for selling that to me. He says, but... Uh, That's pretty cool. You know, so I never got at that point. So that was in November, and I think Boyd passed away in February in the hospital or whatever it was when he Damn. got that infection or septus or whatever it had. So I had never gotten a chance to talk to him, but... You know, I think it would have been resolved yeah. at that point, you know. But it was just, he didn't he didn't like competition, and, and he felt that he built, you know, the whole industry. But in reality, <clears throat> when I first built my coupe in 1975, you guys weren't around. No. Bill O'Rourke was not around. Nope. Okay. So if you wanted a chassis for a 32 Ford, they didn't exist, buddy. Right. Okay, you had to build something. And... This whole industry evolved, and I mean, look at the product line today that you make, that we make, the brake companies, everything that's out there. It's uh, 
it's come a long, long way, and uh, it's for the better. So the competition built the best products that we have today. Oh yeah. If we didn't have it, we wouldn't be anywhere. So. Um, what I kind guess. of what, what's steered the direction of <clears throat> your product line? Because I mean, you're obviously known for the wheels, but your catalog. I mean, it's it's infinite. Um. Like dealing with guys like Boris. Just what people yourself. What, what, what guys wanted. Yeah. What guys want. What there's a demand for. Um, and. You know, a lot of it is probably um, just being passionate, as, as passionate about the industry as I am or, or the car industry. So I always want to do more. Uh, but uh, I think a lot of it comes from your customer base and, and watching and looking and dealing with the, the guys that you have, you know, grown with. So, I mean, this guy, he's got a ton of good ideas for stuff. He's full of them. Yeah. You charge him for the ideas? Is there royalties? Do <laughs> you let this... You yeah, the pallets of wheels he picked up. Yeah. <laughs> Glenn's taken care of me over the years. So how, many, how many ball-in mills did you purchase in the entire 90s, from 1990 to 1999? Oh, man. A lot. Still has a lot. You still have any Heartbeat of America valve covers? You know what? I don't think I do. They're, com- I, they're coming, coming back. back. Yep. I think. Oh, absolutely. OBS shit. <clears throat> Fucking g bodies and all that stuff. I know we're getting asked for uh, OBS stuff, you know, for the interior stuff of the trucks. I threw all the fixturing away. I got rid of all that shit. Dude, so we did like, the OBS truck for good guys. And these two wanted to machine a fucking tune port intake for an LS motor. Yeah. We, we it got We took, <laughs> They're proud of it. Yeah, 100% would have happened. Yeah. We took your valve covers. That's got your uh, small block Chevy, uh, like, I don't know if they're the tall ones, ones or yeah. mid heights, but I wanted the heart, the heartbeat of America ones. So we got the plain oh, we still ones. Have the program. We got the plain ones, and then we put. I'll the, send it to you. We Jeremy. put the little roadster shop logo with good yeah. guys kind of thing in them, yeah. and yeah. they're rad. I mean, they're really cool. Back. We sold a ton of them, yeah. a ton of them. But yeah, all that stuff. But yeah, I don't know. That just, truck was actually pretty cool to do because it's got all your yeah stuff on it, and I mean, you guys, it was like if you're going to put wheels on a truck like that, I mean, they've got to be. Yeah, yeah. yeah that was kind of the home run you know, doing the big yeah. diameter version of what was big in the 90s. We it's, have made almost every, well, back in the day they were called GT series. It was our lower line wheel, okay? Yep. I've done probably 90% of all them styles in 24 through 28 inch because the old school, they want them. Yep. I mean, I had to build a set for a guy last week in 28 inch. I said, man, I'm not, I don't want to do it. Come on, man. I'll, whatever, I don't care what it takes. I, I want him. I said, it ain't about that. I don't have time to do all this. Man, you got to do it, man. My uncle was running this shit on the streets in the city in, in the 90s, man. I'm like, yeah, so you got a, a box Chevy and you want 28 inches on there now. Well, they're done. <laughs> <laughs> but it's kind of flattering because they do remember it from back in the day, you know? And, and Been around long it. enough to see the trend circle yeah, back. it's like, bell-bottom jeans. They went out of style. They came back. They went out again. It's like... Like OBS truck. Yeah. I mean, that's where... I mean, I got that red flame OBS truck that was done in 97, and I've hung on to it. My God, it's worth two times what it yeah. was worth yeah. back then. It was a new truck, you know, and uh, I don't know. But it's good to see that, you know, and I think everybody, whatever was hot when they were in high school or at that oh, age, 100%. It, it rolls around again. I mean, look at yeah. the look at the Camaros. Um, you know, third gens. I can't believe the price they're getting on some of these cars, and they were nothing. 
that good when they were built. No, you know? no they weren't. So, yeah. well, but, all the effort you go through to make a small block or a, an LS or an LT look like a yes. shitty old stock small block Chevy, yep. you would yep. throw that stuff away the second it came in the shop five yeah. years ago. Yeah. And now so, you're scoping through eBay to try to find some weird old yeah. small block valve cover or yeah. intake yeah. manifold. That, yep. So y'all mentioned earlier Gary Case. Where did he come in on all of this? Because I hear I probably hear his name <laughs> in more conversations. The name comes it, up constantly. I never the met the guy. I've I've only talked to him a few times on the phone and stuff. Um and good grief, he's had his hands like in everything. Well, Gary start well, Gary started building cars at yeah. one point in his life. Yeah, he was building cars, he had a body shop mm-hmm. and he started styling concepts yes. in the um, late eighties. And he's from Cleveland. I'm from Cleveland. That's how I met him. I think we were at uh, the Autorama indoor car show, and I had a bubble top. And, you want to sell that? No, I don't want to sell it. We hit it off and kept running into him. He used to run the power tour. So I'd see him on the power. He's like, what are you doing in California? I go, you know, I get around too, you know. Yeah. And uh, we ended up becoming friends. I did some work on a car for him and, you know, just been friends ever since, over 25 years. I started selling him parts when he owned Styling Concepts. He's a, everything I've ever heard's always been good. But he's, oh, he's a great he, guy, man. I mean, it doesn't matter. You could be anywhere in the country at a show talking about somebody telling some story, and it's like, and it was me and Gary Case, and you yeah. know, it's like yeah. he was there. He used to put on uh, one of the best, in my opinion, one of the best events ever. It was called the Sport Truck Nationals. It was uh, held in Owensboro, Kentucky, yep. at the Rivermont Executive Hotel. It was, man, what a blast. What a blast. I still, I met people at that event that I still talk to today. That you was like 90s. You met yeah, Big I Mike met, there. Yeah, Mike Eden, he he had a, a an El Camino, and he had a full tweed interior, all one color. And I told Mike, I said. It wasn't a red gut? No, it was pre red gut. Yeah, it was a bone color. <laughs> and I told him, I said, this is the best interior this whole event. And uh, on <clears> Sunday, Gary would have an unbelievable uh, uh, award ceremony, and Mike won best interior. I told my wife, "I told you, I told you, I picked it." But yeah, that was uh, that was a great event. You, Gary would put that on. He used to put on the uh, the Power Tour, uh, the Maracruz, all that stuff back in the nineties. He used to do a lot of the placement of the vehicles at uh, SEMA, and. Uh, course now he's doing that uh, with Bobby Alloway yep. triple it's crown a, triple yeah. crown cool that he's a, a part of that and can bring that back and yeah I'm anxious to see cool the ideas go to that show I think it's yeah. gonna be a really good time yeah it is yeah. talking about events and shows you you've done a lot of stuff both of you guys have um <clears throat> so street rod of the 80s and 90s events the current probably you know mid 2000s to now you know good guys and in pro touring events yeah. and you got your trucking you know uh, slam fest and uh you know heat wave and any of the you know sport truck stuff yeah. um and then you go to sturgis you know out of all those events and those scenes what's what's the craziest or the most fun you've had out of all those those are all different well, yeah they're you know the the street rod scene back in the 90s was so strong you know you'd go to i remember going to the street rod nationals in saint paul um back in 82 it was i mean guys would drive from california to come to that event so it was truly a national event 
there were cars from Rhode Island, California, Alaska, I mean, from all over. Whereas today, they're more regional events. They're not national events anymore. Um, I'm more, too many of them. Yes, there's, there's too many shows. You would look, when we would go set up at the Street Rod Nationals, and we would have that trailer loaded full of parts, right? They'd be eight deep across the whole front of the trailer waiting to buy parts. Today, that's gone. The internet's changed it. That's all changed. And then, you know, by demographics, all these guys have gotten older that were into the, to the street rod world. So that's street riding in the 90s was probably 70% of my business and 30% of it was lowered trucks, let's say, okay? Then it shifted to trucks, okay? Then from there, it went to uh, street machines. Uh, then the trucks now have come back strong. Okay, so now we're dealing with trucks, a lot of race wheels. Racing seems to be strong. With the younger guys, say 25 to 35 years old, they're all about performance. Um, So we sell a tremendous amount of product for those guys. Those guys aren't into necessarily shiny wheels. They're into performance, horsepower, drivability. That's wild. My son's 16, and uh, they don't really care about the looks or any of that kind right. of stuff. It's all about the speed. Everybody, I mean, yeah. it, it's wild how that's coming. It's just like, yeah, it's big turbos, drag cars, everything's about doing you know, something I, stupid. I think the aftermarket industry is still strong and it will be. I, I think people are still passionate about cars and even maybe with these electric cars being pushed on us all now, but I think people still want to race and, and, and do whatever they got to do. So I think the, late model performance type cars are going to be in demand and they're going to want to modify them and, and, and race. It's a, re, it's a release, you know, people want to go have fun and, and do things. So, uh, I don't know. It'd be a lot easier for you too, fitment wise. Yeah. It's one size. Yeah. Or a 10 year run of challengers or correct. Mustangs or yep. Camaros. Yeah. Like my son, he's got a, a new Idiots Mustang. like us coming up with one off stupid shit yeah. regularly. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I had a guy today call. <laughs> for a one-off wheel and he got a hold of Scott and he's from some band. I can't remember who it was. And he was, he says, yeah, I'm stoned off my mind. Sorry, bro. I'm talking to you. But he goes, I want to build this thing for charity and I want to give them away and I want to do this. And Scott goes, well, send me a proposal of what you would like done. He goes, well, man, I was just hoping you guys could come up with something. (laughs) Go take another hit. (laughs) Okay. Um, But uh, yeah, it's, it's the car level has gone up so high yeah. um, to where all these high dollar cars, they do want one off wheels. And I, and I understand it. I sure. get it. But uh, you know, my business is really uh, tailored to build a product line and deliver the product line. You know, um, we do do some one off wheels, but if I wanted to do them, you know, you got to have a guy doing them every day, all day. Yeah. It's, and I just yeah, I think do I've it. gotten a good enough grasp on your business and I know what we do back there to know that like when we get these crazy one-offs I wouldn't even bother you with it because it's more of a pain in the ass for what you're doing even my asks usually when I reach out I'm sure you guys dread it because it's always something just a little bit different you know the wheels that we just did for you for the trucks that's that's easy it's the crazy
Recently on Change Agents with Andy Stump, Andy sat down with Iraq War Combat veteran and founder of the International Anti-Poaching Foundation, Damien Mander, to discuss his fight against poaching in Africa. The cost that we're going to pay in terms of dealing uh, with the climate crisis and with the increased environmental issues is going to far outweigh the investment that's needed to hold on to what we have left. Never miss an episode. Subscribe to Change Agents with Andy Stump wherever you get your podcasts and get the full cinematic experience on YouTube at This Is Ironclad. Talking about, we touched on it earlier about wheel fitment and measuring and stuff like that. That's that's a dark art, it seems like, in the uh, mm-hmm. uh, our customer base, and I yes. assume your customer base yep. as well. Tell anybody that's out there listening right now some like hard facts or things that they must do. We deal with it on the chassis side all the time because they bought a <laughs> chassis, they're wanting to put tires on it. And they they're about they've called you. And you say I need backspace measurement. So then yeah. they call us and say, what's the backspace? Right. And you I'll, said the wheel diagram and they need measurement A, B, and C. Correct. Yeah. So we'll go through it with them. We need to know what brakes you're running on the car. If you can't measure the car, give me the kit number from Willwood or Bear I'm or whatever. The bear brakes on it. That's what I'm going to run the bears on it. Yeah. Front and rear. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But which ones? Because they make thousands red of part numbers too. I'm going to run the red yeah. calipers. Yeah. <laughs> so get the hair. They, they get almost mad because you're yeah. asking them to give you this information. But we try to explain to them, you know, we're building you a $5,000 set of wheels or whatever amount they are. It doesn't matter. And we want to make sure that they're going to fit your hub and your brake system. Yep. You need to give us this information. And we ask them, okay, is the stock, is the car got a chassis under it? Whose? Is it a stock chassis? Has it got spindles? Has it got a narrowed rear end? Has any modification has been done? It hasn't been tubbed. Well, I don't know. You know, I had a guy argue with me three, four years ago. I built a set of 24-inch wheels for a 70 Chevelle, okay? And he told me what he had. And it's, it's stock? Yes. Okay, great. I, I, I'll build you the wheel. I know what you need. So I build them for him. He comes to pick them up. He says, it doesn't have enough lip. And I said, that's the fitment for that car. That's what you're going to get. He says, well, I can't even show this to my customer. He's not going to want them. I said, they're going to fit. I'm not even putting them on the fucking car. I go, put them on the car. I'm telling you, that's the max width you're going to get in it, and that's the max lip. It's tight. It's shoehorn. Nope, I ain't doing it. I ain't even showing it to them. I says, well, they're yours. You do what you want to do with them, right? So now he gets hold of my kid. He says, I'm telling you, I can't show those to my customer. My son says, look, my dad told you it's going to fit. I'm telling you it's going to fit. Did you try them? No, I didn't try them. So now he tells me, well, Ford Giotto can get a 7-inch lip. I go, I can get a 7-inch lip, too. Did you cut the rear end and tub it? Or did you no. cut the quarter panels? Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. What did you do, right? <laughs> He's like, no, but they can do a 7-inch lip. I said, look, we can do what any other wheel company can do, okay? This is simple. So I pull out a CAD drawing, and I put, show them the center, and I show them the rim, and I show them the drop center, and I said, look, you see this? This is how far back you can go. Unless you want to do a reverse and set it on that lip, then you can end up with about two inches of backspace. You can have all the lip you want. Do whatever you want. But you're going to modify the car, the chassis. No, they can do it. So about three weeks go by, he calls my kid up and he goes, hey, uh, you need to tell your dad he was spot on. The wheels fit perfect. <laughs> he, he was right. 
and you know, so it becomes, we're asking them for information because we need the information. Right. And if they don't have the skill set to measure it, then you got to take it to somebody yep. to do it for you. Okay. We can suggest something, but that's why we ask for those dimensions. And, um, especially when you're it, nailing it down to that quarter. Yeah, inch. exactly. It, you know, and check both tough. sides of the car, just like you guys oh, yeah, were talking yeah. earlier. Check it. Yep. Cause it can vary. And I have had customers go, Hey, on this side, it's this. And on this side, it's that. I go, yeah. if you measure it correctly, we'll build them that way because it can happen. How and many it, different it, Camaros it, it, have we built? That's oh, what I was going to say. We've and done that's what it was on. It was a Camaro. We've done, I think I was looking through recently for a guy. We had like seven or eight 67 Camaros, 67, 68 are basically the same. And the width varied by an inch and the backspace varied by like three quarter of an inch between all of those. Same cars. chassis, same mini tub, same yep. exact yep. build over and over and over and over. Yeah. You're yeah. doing on the survivor cars, just like you said. I mean, you'll yeah. get a quarter panel that the driver's side will be an inch wider than the passenger side, and it never fails that you always measure the wide side. Yeah. <laughs> so then the other one, yeah, the other one, well, that yeah. fucker just yeah. does not fit. You and, know? Then, and then the people think, well, I'm over here at the roadster shop. What the fuck? They don't know what they're yeah. doing. And I'm spending all this money. Hey, it, you know. You don't tell them about that. Yeah. Right. Exactly. It is. A, I mean, it's a kind the of real a, thing is it's tough. Like there's a lot of variables that go into it. And I'll sit there and have like an internal battle with myself over like a 16th or an eighth as I'm filling out that hey. form. And I'm like, God, damn, I, I think I can get it. Like, I, if I just, but man, that's fuck shit. It. Yeah. <laughs> right. I got a story for you guys. So we got a guy on the phone one day and he's, he uh, calls up and he's got a set of uh, uh, street light, uh, street race wheels on his car. <laughs> I remember that. And uh, he's down in Florida. Um, and he's telling us that uh, the wheel is falling apart it's it, the inside of the lip on the back wheel is falling apart right We're like what there's no way yeah it's 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 it's, it's cracking it's, it's falling apart the, the rim fall apart right yeah I, I don't know how but okay send it in i want to see it the wheel comes in the, the wheel the race wheels take a mag shank lug nut 15 inch okay he's got a conical seat lug nut he doesn't have a mag shank in the wheel okay he jams it into the there's no there's no 60-degree taper to put the, the lug in, right? Mm -hmm. So he just puts them on stock lug nut. He drove this car. The The back bell of the wheel was grinding on the shock mount off the rear end. He never heard it grinding. He, he like, tree panned on a lathe. He cut the ring off the wheel. That's how far <laughs> he drove. He yeah. had them on for six months. He said, oh, yeah, your, your wheel cracked. I go, no, my wheel didn't crack. <laughs> you cut it. You, you cut, cut it off. You parted it, right? So, so he, nice says, well, clean, he says, well, can you fix them? I go, yeah, we can build you two new wheels, okay? <laughs> he says, well, can you send them back? I said, look, I don't want to send them back to you. I said, because I'm not letting them out of this shop. I go, they're not safe. You ain't going to weld them. I go, they're junk, you know, but this is the type of stuff you deal with, and you some consumers should not be working on cars, and I and I don't mean to say that in a bad way, sure. but if you don't, you're going to end up killing yourself yeah. for doing something. And uh, you know, ask somebody or go get the right information or take it to somebody to look at because they don't they don't know. It's it's difficult, like you said. You you you're wanting to do it because at the end of the day, the most important thing is for them to be happy after the sale, right? It'd be way easier. We deal with it on the chassis side, not as technical, but we do. The sales guys deal with it all the time where it's, all right, you want to buy a chassis for a Camaro. Great. Spec chassis. We'll start there because it's the easiest thing. What motor are you putting in it? 
Uh, it's going to be a GM. It's going to be either LS or a small block. All right, well, <laughs> yes, I need to know what difference. transmission. Definitely an automatic. Either 4L80, maybe 4L60. Uh, more about that 8. I might be doing 8-speed or, or the 10-speed. Unless oh. Irvin sells it, then it's a TBD. Yeah, then it's a TBD. That's that so, new one. And again, you're trying... Look, we're, we're going to work with Bowler on developing <laughs> TBD, TBD yeah. transmission. That's a new one. So you want to make sure that the customer is going to be happy with what you've sent them. But then they, like you said, they almost start getting frustrated. It's like, I want to, I just want to buy the chassis. I get it. But a lot of these right. things determine how we build some things, you yes. know, and it's, are you mini tubbing it? Well, do I need to? What size wheels and tires? Well, what size will fit? Well, it depends on if you're planning on mini tubbing or not. Well, I want a big one. Well, okay. Yeah, then mini tub it. Oh, I don't want to cut the car. And and not, you know, talking bad about customers, it's like you said, you you're trying. Sales guys are trying, your sales guys are trying. You're like, I know you called because you want it badass. You called because you want it right. Yeah. So let's work together. It might be just a couple more things that you might have to to find out or measure or do something like that. But I mean it's gonna be so much better on you. Yeah. Yeah. Keep on the phone long enough, you'll get the truth out of it. Yeah. And I I don't know that everybody understands, but Wheels and tires, in my opinion, right? Wheels, tires, stance, most important yes. things on the car. On the car, right? Like, period. And I don't think people always understand the levels you go through to fit like a half inch larger OD or half inch wider yeah. wheel on a car. I mean, the things we've done over the years just to get that look. Yes. And people might see it, you know, you see it in a picture. That car looks fucking amazing. What is it about that car that looks so badass? I mean, there's a series that there could be a week's worth of labor and making adjustments just to get that right stuffed in the wheel opening. Yeah. Yet. That's what I want. I want that one. I want it to look right. like that. <laughs> yeah. well, bring I don't it want to do anything. Yeah. When we build it the way, when we build it, that's what you right. get. You know, it's oftentimes too, we, we've had this happen over the years where somebody will come call in and they'll want a specific size wheel. Right. And it's just totally odd. I'd say, let's just say it's a, a 20, one by 14 or something odd, right? Why do you need that? No, that's what I need. Well, what tire are you going to put on it? Because as of what we're talking to, there's not a tire. Yep. That's why the rim ain't made. There's no tire to put on sure. it. You know? Oh, no, this is what I need. How are you measuring that wheel? Well, this is what I was told I need. Look, I think you're going down the wrong path, but they people pick up on hearsay or just people talking. And because they hear it mentioned a lot of times, they think that's what they need. Yeah. When in reality, it's not what they need. And you try to educate them, but sometimes it's hard. So for us, the, the toughest part we have is to educate the consumer on yep. wheels and what they're doing and why you would want to run this type of wheel over that type of wheel. Um, and it takes time. And it, unless you're really into it and you really do some research, then you'll start to get it. But sure. It, you got to be willing to put the time in. I remember back, like, in like 2001, we did that Model A, you know, uh, mm-hmm. with my old man. Yeah, the green one. Yeah. And yeah. we were, before the car was done, we went out to a good guy's show, and we're just looking around because we we're going to buy wheels. And we want, yeah. it was a high boy. Yeah. So you need wheels. And the one thing you know that's it's easy to grasp is diameter, right? You can yep. at a, you can look at something, you're like, eight. I want 18s. Mm-hmm. So we went, we ended up stumbling across Colorado Customs. Mm-hmm. At the time, you know, we were young kids, no idea. Look, there was some five-spoke wheel, and we just ordered wheels. I want wheels for a Model A. It never dawned on me. In a million years, I would have never thought that a brake had anything to do with it. Right. right? It, 
didn't click. And it's a high boy. Right. So even that, it's like, well, shit, you can put the wheel wherever right. backspace is. And I didn't know the word backspace. Right. just What wheels fit a Model A? So I yeah. was that guy. I mean, we were that guy that you don't know. So we end up getting the wheels, you know, and this thing's sticking out there. It looks like a damn like T buck. You know, yeah, the, the old are, Munster mobile. Oh, you could have fit. You could have fit. It could have been a dually. You could have fit another <laughs> wheel and tire in between. And we're all pissed. We're looking at this thing. We're like, what? The fucking wheels are all fucked up. You know, this fucking guy sold us the wrong wheels. Yeah. Like, yep. so we ended up shortening the rear end and you know to bring them in. But it just I had no idea of. Yeah backspace was i mean we could have pulled the wheel in two inches and bam that thing would have been and that perfect. was a high boy he had no fender exactly to worry about. Yeah. He had nothing yeah, no, clear. so and well, it was a straightforward bill it was a model a on 32 rails yeah. <laughs> right but then the front's easy the front's handled that you just center them right yeah. the front's just what it is yeah. no problem there but the back you had two wheels you had to get right exactly <laughs> failed miserably you know <laughs> the fronts are the complicated ones too that's the shit that turns yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, it's wild. Like you said, I, I do think, though, in the last probably five years, the customer base has gotten way more educated. I would agree. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a little bit younger, um, but they've... Either there's they, a lot more information. There's, there's, yeah, exactly. I was, was going to yeah. say, there's a lot more information online now and uh, forums, groups, whatever, people yeah. talking, conversing back and forth. To where they can get knowledgeable if they're willing to take the time and read it, you know, and look. Like to displace everything we just said, like what backspace do you need on a '62 Chevy? Five and a quarter on the front, on five the, and a half on the back. <laughs> so American Racing, and well, not just American Racing, but a lot of the <clears throat> one-piece wheels out there. I don't know who developed the backspacing on those wheels, but they they Those will kind of fit there. everything, but but not fit anything. Yeah, I mean, just yeah. So when Glenn, we when Glenn decided to do the the um, one-piece wheels, we sat down and figured out, like, what is going to fit 95% of Let's just get all the cars that we work on right. and have the just pop. a couple part numbers that will fit all those cars. That was a great thing, by yeah. the way, when you came out. I, I remember seeing the very first ad. It was, it was yeah. Bull, Boulevard, but what was the? It's a Legend Series. Legend Series. Speedway. And seeing him coming, I was like, it's <laughs> never going to fucking work. <laughs> it's no way. Uh but yeah, and like you said, you had, you had we we do three specific, or four widths, and then you know yeah specific fitments yeah you know that we tailored to. So we we went after the C10 market, the OBS market, the X frame market, Camaros, you know Chevelles, whatever, and we have those fitments. We don't want to be everything to everybody, but what what car you have, we have the fitment. We have the right fitment for you to work. Yeah. So and by the way, we're bringing out a few more. So sweet, nice. Yeah, you say you not don't want to be you know, everything to everybody, but you really do have just about I know. everything covered. We're I mean, stupid. I just saw the, you know, we had uh, you know, a couple of years ago, Jesse Greening did those Grand National wheels. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. they're beautiful wheels, right? Yeah. Jesse's yeah. Aw- he's yeah. awesome, and wheels are killer. I mean, you've got wheels that yep. Grand National wheels, they're spot on. I mean, oh, they yeah. look they're, they're, really, really They're good, real. You know? I mean, it, we, we scanned the original wheel. We made the windows look like the original yeah. wheel. We do them in 17, 18, and 20. I just beadlock some 17s for a guy. Um, I've been asked to do them in 24. Uh, I just had step lip rims built in 22 and 24 inch. So I'm I'm the only guy that's got a two-piece barrel in 22 and 24. Nice. What is that line with, because you've got the Chevelle wheel. Oh, it's just called got- our OE series, or like an original equipment look. So Yeah, that's all it's in there. That's all pretty killer stuff. How, does that do pretty well yeah. for you guys? Yeah. 
right in line with what we talked about before that the I mean, shit that's coming back that yeah, you it's, never in a million years thought there's a market yeah, for. I know. It's the market now. I know. I got a, a friend of mine that's begging me to build the Grand National Steering Wheel. Like, oh, I make a solid three-spoke steering wheel. Yeah. We don't need to do it. No, you need to do it exactly like that wheel. You'll sell them. I go, Chuck, <laughs> keep on moving. I'm trying to get them to do this C4 Corvette, the, like the salad shooters. Oh. In an in a OBS fitment. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that was what we started well, we with. We talked about, about that today. today. Yeah. Come was on. It, the blade wheel, right? Yeah. 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 Which was, you know, obviously we come up with stuff that's impossible and right. not really cost effective to make but yeah but that was what we wanted that's to do easy on yeah. that one's easy yeah it's pretty flat right? yeah it's easy it's not a pad on it but pretty flat i got a forging that'll work for that if you want to do it kick ass on that, obs well i've been jonesing for like a 91 zr1 white with mm -hmm. those wheels upsized yeah 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 be sweet yeah. we're gonna get glenn like on air Saying he committing to all these things so that when I'm ready, <laughs> we're, we're gonna episode, we're gonna go right? back and reference yeah, these. Yeah, yeah, Please yeah, reference yeah, two yeah, hours yeah. thirty one minutes. We'll have, that, we'll have that drawn up by next Thursday. Yeah. Send it over to him. See if he's see if he's ready. Uh, yeah, I think going back to the the wheel fitment and stance thing, that's kind of almost like your claim to fame and what you've made popular with taking the patinaed cars, slamming them, the right wheels and tires, the right offset, the right stagger. That's, you know, kind of what made you the patina guy back in the day. Yeah, we, you know, I was looking back at the day, the, the stuff that uh, that caught my attention was like the, what Scott Sullivan was building back, you know, yeah. in the in the 80s. Yeah. I mean, I remember being in study hall, reading about him driving cross country in that 55. Yeah. I'm like, oh, man, how badass is that, you know? Yeah. And uh, so I've always liked that look. I mean, my very first cars, I was chopping the springs on them, fitting as big of tires I can in the back. But uh, uh, in the in the late '90s, um, that was kind of my thing. If I had a little time in, in the shop, I'd go find an old Impala. I'd, uh, I'd lower it, put some wheels on it, and it, it would be like clockwork. It would last. I'd throw it on eBay. It'd last 45 minutes, an hour. Somebody would be calling. I want to buy it right now. I want to buy it right now. And uh, you know, that's kind of like where the stop, drop, and roll started from. You know, people go, hey, I want to bring you my Impala. I saw yours on, on eBay. Can you make it look like that? So we would, you know, do the, the brakes yeah. and the suspension and the wheels, and that's how the stop, drop, and roll came about. And, what uh, percentage of 58 to 64 cars have you have gone through your shop or you've had a hand in? 75 80%? I don't know about that, but there's, there's 90. several thousand, yeah. several thousand. I mean, there's a hundred of them at my shop today. You know what I mean? So, um, I, there's thousands in the last 30 years. I have not met a guy that's come to talk to me about wheels somewhere. And that doesn't know who Boris is from street machine. Right? Every one of our customers, mm -hmm. it could be their very first car. Oh, oh yeah. That thing's pretty badass. Yeah. for This guy in Cleveland, uh, Boris. Yeah. Boris, you know him? Everybody fucking knows Boris. Yes. I've been doing this for 60 years. If you count that, I do it. Uh, <laughs> right. The amount of hours you put into it. So, what um, cell service do you use, too? Because, yeah. I mean, that's that you got to burn that thing up. I've been um, watching it. You've, hey. That's the longest you've had that sucker parked. You probably just you oh, missed like a like quarter million dollars in sales. No, it'll, it'll, it'll all be there. <laughs> yeah. I'd Let me tell him. you something, Jeremy. When I travel anywhere with this guy, and he's in the car, 
That phone is burning up. Yeah, he's driving. He's, he's glued <laughs> so, to that we thing. We sold the bubble top on the way here, here. didn't we? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want to see your photo organization because I'll send him a text like, hey, you know anybody who's got a 68 Chevy Gold for sale? Yeah, dude, here. Boom. Fuck, I didn't even hit send and I already got it back. And there's like yeah. six pictures. And I just go off of where did I take that picture? Okay, that was good, guys. Go, go to July, find yeah. the picture. Yeah, we, I was just telling Glenn on the way here, I've been trying to, every night before I go home, I think about one person that I forget to get back to. And every night, I'll contact with that one person and try to make the last sale of the day. Whether it's a chassis or a set of wheels or whatever, instead of waiting until the next day, give the guy a chance to change his mind, I'll shoot him a quote or call him and walk him through something. And it, it's been working. It's like every day. I think it was like uh, Tuesday, I was going to leave. Let me call this guy tonight before I go home. And ended up getting a, a wheel sale, and there was something else. And the amount of people doing this stuff is, is, yeah. is unbelievable. And for us not advertising, it's all pretty much social yeah. media. I think our, our business blew up okay. after, I think, 2009, 2010, just because of social media. I still remember my daughter telling me to get on there. I'm like, what am I going to get on there for? Like, oh, you your cars and stuff you know yeah. and well it's 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 been crazy what it's done to the, you know i've, to I've never made one post on social media me personally well i've done maybe a dozen two dozen for myself yeah, but I've never, never anything any. for the i've never done anything for. i'm for good for myself. one a year yeah never. i went back through my history and it's it's one a year average I'm still old school. I'm the dinosaur. You yeah. texted pictures though. I'm sure. Oh yeah, that 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 we got down. I do. Two, I wear the phone out, but I am not I'm not posting on Facebook. Yeah, I'm Dean. I'm yeah. You know, I have the tech savviness of like a. Do you think seventy five year old man? Seventy five year old man in nineteen eighty. Yeah, they bust my balls constantly. Yeah. I I can send a text just, message. I can send an email. Yeah. Me too. That's, that's, that's it. it. I text like a motherfucker, but that's yeah. that's how fast. I am. Yeah. I mean, I'm me telling too. you, I said a text fast. But you know, <laughs> like you, you never seen. Like you ain't never <laughs> seen text before. I have never put anything on eBay to sell. Nowhere. I'm, not, I'm ignorant it, to it all. So I, I don't care. I did one day. I decided I was like cleaning up a bunch of shit, and I'm like, well, I'm gonna put this stuff on like Facebook Marketplace. This right. is the thing, right? So I'm sitting there, I had, uh, I had like some throttles off of a boat and like some gate and so a couple things like that were just like, well, I don't want to throw them away. Right. And I take a picture of them and I like put the, sold this shit. Yeah. Dude, like, bam. I'm like, this is a piece of cake. Yeah. It's not hard. You know, you guys, you guys <laughs> oh, can laugh at me. It's no. a piece of cake. Hey, like, hey, let me tell you, I, I know can, it's not hard. The best flex. Gold star. I've got a sold. son. That'll take anything that comes through, anything I got laying around, and he'll, it's gone. Where'd it go? Don't worry about it. It's all taken care of. You know, we had I walk a, over by his house and go, how'd that, where'd you get the money to build that garage? Don't worry about it. Sold some stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you know, extras. Yeah. Extras. <laughs> we, had, we had the opposite growing up. We had a dad who, anything you left out there, boom, gone. Where'd it go? Fucking dumpster. It was a brand new bike. I just bought all this shit to build it. It's in the way. Dumpster. Yeah. You know, you know who else was like that was Troy's dad, Jack. Yeah. So yeah. when he would have cars over there and they would take parts off cars and, you know, this is all good stuff, trim, different things. He threw all the stuff in the garbage, man. Yeah. I'm like, Jack, what are you doing? I don't want that shit laying around here. Yeah. That shit today is Old. 
thousands of dollars, man. Hundreds, hundreds of, thousands. of thousands of dollars. Yeah. All the trim off chicane, dumpster. Great segue, because that was the next thing I was going to ask you. Is how? <laughs> first of all, we've talked about this for a season and a half or whatever it is. Chicane, for me, that's that's my number one. Number one car. Uh, G-Force Cuda, right yeah. there below it. But the chicane, for me. So how did, we had Troy on, great episode and stuff. How did that come about, and why? He bought it from Boris, I assume. Well, no, no, this, this car was at uh, Super Chevy. I was down at Super Chevy with a booth, and I went in the swap meet, and the 62 was there. It had 6,500 original miles on it. The lady was the postmaster general in Huntsville, Alabama, that originally owned it. Her grandson got Roll the car. Uh, this guy brought it. Some guy brought it up to the thing. I paid $6,500 for it. That was probably, what, 19 Dollar a mile. 96, <laughs> 7, something like that. 97, probably. And uh, Troy was up at the shop one day, and I said, you know, Bisquick was Jack's car, right? It had the nice, had the big block in it, rowdy car, you know. So I said, yeah, I'm going to do this car. Yeah, we'll do it. This is good. This one, this one will cut good. This one's clean, you know. Okay. So anyway, originally the car was going to be a big block Chevy. Okay. You know, slammed, all that crap. You know, just a nice driver, right? Well, one thing led to another. John Meany's there. They did Meany's Corvette with the twin turbo motor. Hey, Glenn, you got to go for a ride Meany's Corvette. So I get in the car with John Meany. We go down on the back roads in the cornfields of Mantino, and we're tearing it up. Come back and Troy goes, gee, bon, we need to do that motherfucker like that. <laughs> and that was it, Josh. That's where it started. <clears throat> and then uh, the car just evolved. So it was going to be basically a, you know, a street machine, you know, a nice car. And uh, just kept going to another level and another level and uh, ended up to chicane. Um, so, but that, that was the life story of that thing. Fucking absolutely iconic car. Dude, that car was awesome. a, that car was a game changer. That car was a feature of my dining room for twelve years. I had Super Odd. I was on the cover of Super Odd, yeah. and yeah, you know, in my magazine collection in there, and that was always front and center. And that, yeah. I mean, that car was inspiring. To yeah. if you weren't inspired by that as a builder, then right. you're not a builder worth knowing. That, yeah, like that car was so game changing. Yeah, it was. I remember seeing it Indy under. It, at their booth underneath the awning, sitting there, and it's just like, oh, and that thing came yeah. rolling through. That was, I mean, it was we like rolling out of the Adams Mark Hotel, and yeah. yeah, didn't even know what the fuck you're looking at. Did you roll through and get a Boyd's pick? <laughs> it got. I will tell you. I will tell you. It got a pick in Indy. It at the Shades of the Past. It got the Street Machine, whatever the top award was. So I got this big, twenty inch. Forged machine wheel from Boyd, first place, blah blah blah. It hangs in my garage. It's on the wall, <laughs> cut in half. And I'm like, oh, if he could see this, this ain't you, you good. Should, you should have <laughs> melted that down in machine like a golf cart wheel. Yeah, golf I don't cart. Know. <laughs> it's there though. It's it's there. It's hanging on the wall. But uh, yeah, he he wasn't happy, you know. So anywhere it went, you know, Troy had to go up there and get an award because nobody else. I, that wasn't gonna happen. <laughs> you know, back in them days. That had to yeah. be quite the time back then with that thing. You know, oh, sure. I feel that as long as I've been in this industry, there was, the industry The industry is still good, but the enthusiasm that was at events. 
in oh, the nineties. It's not like it was. It is nowhere near what it was. You know, I, I've gone to Sturgis many, many times too. And, you know, Sturgis twenty years ago was way different than Sturgis is today. Really? Oh yeah. Way just there was more enthusiasm. There was more going on. And I and I think a lot of it's got to just do with the <clears throat> the demographics of the age group yep. that grew up with choppers and, 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 and bikes like that. You know, today it's all um baggers which but do you not think that they become numb to it after a while because of uh, in, in the social media you can true. see some of this yeah, crazy yes. shit all it's the time so it's yeah. not it's not a wild and you know let it loose that once a year when you're like holy fucking shit i've never seen this before hold exactly. take my shirt off and then you know is that, <laughs> yeah, how, is that how it went that's sturgis we're talking about sturgis. Okay. <laughs> and the other thing is if, if you've been going to shows as long as i have and even as long as you guys have you've seen a lot of i've seen 90% of these cars I've seen over the last 30 years somewhere, okay? Right. So they're not new to me, but they're new to a newcomer is awed by it, but it's right. but not to me. It's just another car, you know. So let's say there's 900 cars in that parking lot. I may stop and look at 10 or 20 of them, whereas somebody else might stop and look at half of them. Well, that's, yeah, it's you different know? that your enthusiasm or our enthusiasm and the scene's enthusiasm. Other people, how do you think we get that back at events? You know, I mean, oh, Columbus no. is pretty damn good. It I is. Mean, uh, you need yeah, hotels better than that. You need Troy to build more cars yeah. and have more action at the hotel. Yes. Because those are the ones I'm enthusiastic about. I, right. I hate to say it, but every time that motherfucker brings a car out, you're like, yeah. God damn. The yeah. high caliber Holy builds shit. and uh, you, you got to get that into well that if, going back to Boyd if you look at what Boyd did in the late '80s and through the '90s Boyd was cranking out cars, trend setting stuff. You know you looked forward to getting Street Rider magazine or Sport Truck because there was something featured in there that was yeah. I don't want to say it was out of the norm. It was trend setting. It was cutting edge at that time, and he was pumping that stuff out, which was great. You know and then. Um, it just, there was a different vibe going on at that time. Um, and it's not, I can tell you for sure. It's not there anymore. We were fortunate to catch just the tail end of it. Like the early two thousands, it was still going on. Like you'd go to the Adams Mark and in Indy and there was like every, somebody had their big bus. The side was open. There was a Tyson fight on there's dudes doing burnouts everywhere. I think you the know, burnouts really. You got Bobby Alloway rolling in in the baddest ass cars. Troy's rolling in in the chicane. Yeah. It, it was like next level. I mean, it was so yeah. surreal. Yeah, you just don't get that today. We're all getting old. Yeah, that's the problem. I guess there was very few superstars back then. And yeah, there are few guys that were so far above everybody yeah. else. But I, you know what I will say? I think that. The metal work that is done today, though, on the cars like you're doing and these other guys are doing, the metal work, there's, that has grown by huge numbers, guys doing metal work. Back in yeah. them days, there were maybe a handful of guys that would build a body or even build panels, you know what I mean, from scratch. Yeah. Now, you've got guys doing it here. Troy's got <clears> guys <throat> doing it. They're all over. So that really I think that's kind of re- point. There's so many Badasses yeah, out there, there now. Yes. There were 10 guys doing it to that level. Right. Now there's, there's, yeah, there's a thousand. Yeah, I don't know. There's, there's more, a lot, but, but I mean, yeah, like, and, and then the machining side, like it used sure. to be unobtainable to have a one off yeah. 
exactly anything and yeah. now yeah, every got, car at SEMA's got four worn off parts on it. Fucking spoiled. Yeah. Where you walk through it and, and there's Yeah. You, you know, at first glance you're kinda like, Man, I just remember like cars used to be so much more badass back then. But it was not. It was like there was three or four that were so much more badass right. and everything right. else kind They're of more, they were now more iconic. Now they were more noticeable. A shit ton of badass stuff. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Um yeah. That's, uh, just gotten numb. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I love the Survivor cars. They're yeah. all I do too. Everyone, that's all I mean, we look at now. We, like you just look for an original paint, something that man, somebody that, hasn't fucked to me, with. And that's I want a building full of those cars. Those are the ones I want. I could sell you a building that's full of them. You can, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Boris has got like six buildings full. You know, yeah. But I, I would rather finished. have. <laughs> I'd rather have ten of them than two supercars. You know, <clears> just I, well, look at George Petit. Let's talk yeah. about him for a minute. George has built super high-line cars sure. with a lot of great builders. He's let all these people show their wares right building cars. But if you sit down and talk to George, he likes the Survivor cars yeah. that he's done with you guys because he ultimately wants to drive them and enjoy them. And the other thing about building some of these cars, if they take three and four years, man, that's you got a long time before you ever get them to do anything with them. And if you can get a car done in six months, eight months, yep. it's done and you're enjoying it. You realize well, how much shit we got for that, though, doing those cars for George? The, you shouldn't have got any shit. From other customers, you mean? Uh, other other mm-hmm. shops and stuff like that. You just get, oh, you know, so, yeah, you're doing you know, third, together. fourth, fifth car for George. You know, but you're not painting them or anything like that. You're just, you're just doing those survivors, right? You know, talking down to you and stuff and be like, oh, you're just, in their minds, you're just throwing these cars together, right? If they if they got, a, they want to get with George and they want to spend, you know, $2 million on yeah. designing something for 10 years, you know? Right. Like you said, it's kind of like, the end of the day, we were having a great fucking time, and yeah. seeing him be happy Absolutely. with a smile on his face and using the cars. Yeah. Absolutely, and I, I know, agree. I know, I know what you're referring to, and you do too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it changes the game. You know, it changes the game, and it makes it an enjoyable hobby because you're actually using the vehicles. You know, yeah. I, I can't stand wiping something down. I do not like. Yeah, I don't like cleaning them. Either. I don't like cleaning anything. Yeah, it's it, too detailed. You want to use it. It's a hobby. You know, it shouldn't be work. You should be out there having fun. Right. Enjoying yourself. You know, I've said too, you know, obviously I have a lot of cars and some of the cars that I have virtually next to nothing in, I have just as much enjoyment out of driving that as I do anything else. Because I think it's the camaraderie and the people that are into the cars and the the times that you share and the stories you talk about. And we can talk about million dollar cars and we can talk about $25,000 cars, but you know, they all serve a purpose, and yeah. as long as the guy that owns it is happy with what he's got, that's the important thing. Yeah, not you know? to beat a dead horse. We've talked about it probably fucking way too many times, but about the road tours, you know, and the amount of survivor cars that we've taken on those. And whether or not those cars of 15 years ago would have even made the road tour, whether they not or, or not. I don't think they would have made it, like, out of the parking lot at the stop one. Possibly right. not, but even if they would have, <clears throat> like, those cars are just not built to do that. And the whole time, you're not enjoying yeah, the scenery, exactly. and you're not enjoying the conversation, and you're not fucking around with each other, whatever, because you're worried about every single bug and every single rock chip, or if that chrome mm-hmm. bumper that you fit so tight at this speed is probably rubbing a little paint right. or rattling or something like that. And you're 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 not having fun. You're thinking that you're destroying the car. Correct. And that's not the most fun we've had in this fucking industry has yeah. been driving them, driving yeah. those things cross country and doing what we've done together. You know, you talked about Sturgis. If you look at Sturgis, right, it was about driving your motorcycle and riding there and doing it. 
It wasn't about polishing a $100,000, $150,000 custom bike. Because you know as well as I do, that thing ain't going to make it from here to to, to downtown Sturgis. I'm sure you do comfortably. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know, so, you know, get your Harley, make some modifications to it or whatever, but you want the drivability and you want to be able to use it. And it's about having a good time, yep. not being on the side of the road pissed off because right. the foot peg fell off or this didn't work sure. or something, you know, so... Um, I'm all for the Survivor Series, so to me, it's you know I can appreciate the Highline cars, but I I'm with Jeremy here. I don't want to wax and polish all day. Oh, yeah. I do not want to do it. Fuck that, you know. So and if we get some chips in it, or who gives a shit? Yeah. Let's just keep driving. A little bit of character it goes right yeah. along with the other ones that were there. Yeah. yeah. What do you drive That's the most out of the collection? Out of cars my cars. Or probably your Chevy pickup truck. <laughs> I was going to go to 2019 Tahoe. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Um, I drive a 32 Roadster as far as a hot rod would go. I'll drive that one. And then, honestly, I'll get in a car like the 66 El Camino that's just a, a stock car with a set of 17-inch wheels on it just go to a cruise night. Yeah. Um, once in a while, I'll drive the 55 Chevy that Troy did. And that's whatnot. a badass car. That's a real – nobody's really even seen that car. That car is – It's been, it's come been back a little low-key. That's a – It's, it's very low-key. You know, yeah. that car is beautiful. That car runs yeah. great. But, um, you know, those, those would probably be the ones that I drive the most. The 32 Roadster, the 55, and then take an El Camino out or just an average-type car and drive. What's your personal go-to right now? Uh, I got a 200,000-mile G8 with the badass LS in it, and I just beat the fuck <laughs> out of it. It's my favorite thing to drive right now. Uh, yeah. in, the su- in the summer, I drive up. Little pip sixty seven pickup truck, and yeah. just whatever I need to drive. We we're constantly the problem we have is everyone's so busy, customer cars don't get driven. So summertime, I'm constantly driving customer cars, just sure. put miles on them before yeah. we give them back. Or if I have something for sale, somebody will go, "How's the transmission shift?" I don't know. I've never driven it before. <laughs> right. So I'll spins. put some miles on some of the cars yeah. that are for sale. But uh, hopefully this summer I'm. Finishing up a bubble top, that'll be my go-to this summer. 62 bubble. I you always say your, I'm going to drive uh, them, but I Heavily patinaed pickup? My, but my uh, red one? Oh, white one. Oh, the white one? Right, I don't know if it was well, white anymore. No, no, <laughs> it's, no, it's, yeah, that's a new one that I'm building, but I've, uh, I've had to give up the chassis three times now. So I've ordered three <laughs> chassis for it, but somebody's needed them. And a sale comes first. Customer always comes Boris first. Boris came by my place today, and I had pallets of wheels that I had taken to my building across the street where I keep all my cars. And I showed them to Boris. I said, I had to literally build wheels for my cars because they don't have wheels on them. Because during COVID, hey, you want to sell me the wheels off that 59? Hey, you want to sell me the wheels off this? <laughs> and they're gone, okay? And my, I ain't got nothing on half of my stuff for the most part. Other cars that I would want to drive, okay? So I wrote up a bunch of wheels and I built them. And my guys in the back are like, these wheels i go just get them built okay <laughs> and they're going and they're going across the street and nobody's touching them they're under you lock and key yeah. no like it that. says senior that's what it says and that's where they're going to so um but anyway yeah it's uh you know you're like the shoemaker you're the last yeah, guy yeah. to get it the owner's got to wait yeah yeah we've Every- got we've got one vehicle in the shop that's been hanging there for almost two years the roadster shop spec chassis we've been trying to get done 
for ourselves, but it just, you just can't, you know, you can't yeah. prioritize it. it, no, it it'll get done when it gets done. You know, a lot of people ask me, well, why don't you build some stuff for your cars or one-off parts? We don't have time. Yeah. You know, I, I, you, you got to service the customer base. Yeah. You know, so, but, yeah, there's still a few cars I'd like to do. You don't need to take a break or anything like that? Anybody you need to use this? If we're good, we can go. We can keep going, man. All right. Just giving before it started. Your very first car was a Camaro? No, my very first car was a 77 Monza. I got my driver. I got it when I was 14. And uh, first car I ever worked on. Kind of like a Camaro. Yeah, I would have gone with Camaro. Like a little one. Yeah. It's just like a smaller Camaro. Somebody, yeah. somebody smaller gave, Corvette. Somebody gave it to me. It had like no miles on it. Some friend of my parents. Well, he bought it brand new and gave it to me. And that was, uh, that's when I first uh, realized that firing orders were important. I was doing a tune-up on it. And I'm like, oh, this wire, oh, it'll fit better if I put it over here. It says it right there on the intake manifold. Yeah, so <laughs> how, long was, how long was turning it over before you realized that? Uh, uh, my dad's friend stopped by and he goes, you know, you can't just take them all off and just put new ones on wherever you want. And so then I had to go back and figure out, but I got it. No, but they're all hooked up. I made sure. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I remember I got my driver's license seven days after my birthday. It was, uh, it was, uh, the Bon Jovi tickets were going up for sale and we went at midnight the next day after I had my driver's license one day, we went up to the. Richfield Coliseum and uh, waited for the box office, waited in line, get the key. We got the tickets. That night, I was doing donuts in a parking lot, smacked the curb, folded the suspension under it, and told them at the junk car. Literally had my license one day. That was my first car. My first hot rod was a 68 Chevelle. I bought us. I used to go to the public library and I would pull newspapers that were a year old. And I would get the classifieds out of a year-old newspaper, and I'd look, look look up cars. And there was a '68 Chevelle, twenty-seven hundred bucks. And I called the guy. I said, "Hey, I know it's a long shot, but you had a Chevelle for sale a year ago." And he goes, yeah, I still got it. He goes, "As a matter of fact, I got to get it out of my garage, like right now." He sold to me for like a thousand bucks, a rust-free '68 Chevelle. With- How many of them would you like to own today? Shit. Yeah, shit. Yeah, so you're letting everybody in on your secrets. I feel like you're still using that. Do they still have libraries? Do they still have classifieds <laughs> in the newspaper? Well, now you just visit like the old folks' homes. I think yeah. good guys still has classifieds yeah. at the end of the. Yeah, yeah they, they do. do. They do. Yeah. Yeah. But that was my. That, I took it home, and uh, blew it apart. Uh, the only thing I I had uh, uh, some guys help me with the wiring on it. The wiring was all jacked up, so I had some guys help me with the wiring. And just as I got it back, uh, that's when I found my Trans Am. I was like, okay, the Chevelle's got to go. So I sold the Chevelle, had the Trans Am for it was a 404 speed, had it for same thing about a week, blew the motor. So that was the first engine I rebuilt was that 400 net Pontiac. And uh, it wasn't too long after that that uh, just got into, you know, the the more of the look of the car, the aesthetics, where everything I'd buy, I'd hammer it on the ground, put the wheels on it. And pretty much how the shop got started. What's the longest you've owned a car for? Uh, I've had my 97 Tahoe. My 96 Tahoe, I've had it since uh, 97. That's the black and silver two-tone one? Yeah. The Mark uh, worked it from Sunsea Road. It worked, paint that? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I've owned it since 97, so. 
Denali front end on it? Doesn't I it? put a Denali front end on it in 2000, but I kept the original front end. It's hanging on a wall, so I'm, I might put that back on. Yeah, Warwick painted my uh, 97 short bit, the red flame one. Really? Foose did the rendering, and Warwick painted it. And I haven't seen Mark in a while. Yeah. I, I haven't, haven't been out to Texas. Yeah. Good guys. Yeah, I talk Sometime. to them all the time. I just bought a bubble top from them. Yeah. What was your first car? I deuce five window. At 14? Yes. Yeah, so Where'd I, you find that thing? City he bought it new from the fucking dealership. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's yeah. how fucking old he is. That, uh, it was in the... <laughs> Henry Ford's <laughs> right down to the Ford dealer. <laughs> downtown adver- Chicago. Advertised in the uh, Chicago Sun-Times newspaper. Guy had an ad in the Sunday paper. And I saw it. I called him. And he said, I'm opening the garage door at 6 o'clock tomorrow morning. So the paper come out on Saturday night, right? Got the paper. He said, I'm opening the garage at 6 in the morning. I've had so many phone calls, whoever gets here. Whatever. So he was asking 1500 bucks for it. It was a body with a frame, no floor in the body, firewall, had the garnish moldings. Uh, Did you have the cash ready to go? Oh, yeah. So I told my dad, you got to take me down there. So we go down the north side of Chicago. You open the garage door. And so I said, okay, I'll take it. Went back the next day with a buddy of mine with a trailer and uh, hauled it back. And my influence was from my cousin and one of his best friends, Jim Roth body paint man and he also did interior work and jimmy roth had a 41 willies and i was hanging around with my cousin and jimmy a long time and that's how i got influenced in the hot rodding was through jimmy and uh jimmy passed away i think it's about six years right now um but that was the influence so we did that car in his garage and uh, we painted it and did the interior uh all of that stuff and that's how it all started. So I was bit by it young. Is that the same car that the green one with the yes, flames that Brizzy did? So yeah. you've had that forty nine years. Damn. That's wild. Yeah. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. that's one of those cars where you talk about, you know, a lot of kids in it, you know, I guess that was one of those as a young boy when you had the uh Testarossa or the Countach on the wall. Yeah. I also had that car that I remember that poster, you know, yeah, cool on the wall. You know, it was a they, yeah. In a magazine, it was a, you know, what it was. Pull out. Pulled out. Yeah. That car was um, s- absolutely sick. So then, it, and so that car, when Brizio did it, we put a 514 inch big block Ford in it. You are Angelo, a big yeah. block. Yeah, do you it's own an LS, anything? Yeah. There's an LS and a Camaro. There's an LS and a 65 pickup. Um, was the you would two, have rubbed think, off uh, a lot more. Um, he was just talking about it when we were at the shop. He goes, yeah. yeah, I want to put an LS in this El Camino. Yeah, I want to put an LS in that 59. Another post. Oh, no, I got an LS in another 59. So I got three now. But um, anyway, it started with a 514-inch when Ford first released that motor. So we put that in there. But about four years ago, I sent the car back to Brizio, and we put a 427-inch Roush fuel-injected motor in it. So since that's done, I put about 50 miles on it. <laughs> Getting after it. I'm getting after it. And then, uh, yeah, then it went to 68 Camaros after that car and 66 Chevelles. And then I had a 70 Rally Sport Camaro with a big block blower, dire blower on it back when I was 19. I had all, I had issues. Where was the place to go street racing back then? You'd go to Duke's over in uh, Bridgeview. And then from there, they'd go out to 107th Street or they'd go 159th and Bell Road uh, and run. Best piece of advice that you've ever received? 
I'm going to give you a piece of advice for this. Is going to talk into the mic. Just, okay. Just so we can, everybody else can hear the piece of advice. Well, might not be the best, but it's pretty rough. Probably, they said in business, there's there's two important uh, two important things that uh, you should know, and uh, one of them was um, don't give away all your secrets. <laughs> Well done. Well yeah. done. <laughs> what about you? Best piece of advice? Never sacrifice the quality of your product. Always build a top-notch product, and you'll never be hurting for work. Who told you that? My father. Your reputation is based on what you produce. So That's cool. Don't ever, don't ever sell it short on quality. Do it right the first time. And I'll, I'll say, you know, not to get chummy, but out of all the guys in the industry, you're the guy that I look to the most that I admire as far as where you're at, what you've done, and how you've done it, yeah. and your attitude towards it. So you'd sometimes it's interesting. You'd be surprised at, like, just being you, the effect that you have on people out there. Because you I, never know. You never know who you're you know, going to inspire. I always said this coming up in the, in the industry, you know, um, I never want the limelight. I'm not a, uh, a person that wants to be the center of attention. I always said back in the day when, uh, you know, Boyd was worried about competition and the ego and the image and all that, I said, you know what I am? I'm that mouse in the corner, and every time I come out, I take another piece of that cheese. <laughs> and before long, I'm going to have a big piece of that cheese, and you're not even going to know where I came from. Do you know to this day I have never let anybody in my shop to do a shop tour of my shop that I'm in today? Really? We there was it. Haas Machinery wanted to come in and do a big article for me in their magazine, and I said, no. They go, why? I go, nobody needs to know what I'm doing. I'm cool with what I do. I don't, yeah, don't you, need you, to know you, that. You keep a low profile, man. Tremendous but, amount yeah. of respect from us, and I'm sure just about everybody else in the industry as well. I'll tell you a quick story. Vic Edelbrock came to see me years ago, and uh, we were, you know, of course, we buy all those water pumps, you know, for our pulley systems and whatnot. And... Uh, we're talking, and uh, he come, walks into my shop, and he goes, holy shit, I had no idea you're this big. And he asked me a question. He goes, how many machines do you have? And I don't know. At the time, it was like 35. He goes, you got more than me. I said, what? He goes, you have more than me. He goes, what was your first CNC? I said, no, Kuma. Four-axis lathes. I go, we had those. He goes, mine was an Acrolock. They were made in Phoenix, right? I said, really? He goes, yeah. So we start talking machine tools and and different things, but total respect, you know, for that for that man, and he had total respect for me and what I had done because he had no idea. And to this day, most people do not know the size of Bill Specialties when they come through the door and see what's going on. They're no, like, it's Holy it's mind blowing. Shit. Yeah, but I never, <clears throat> I you know, I do what I do because I like what I do, right. and uh, you know, if anybody ever wants to come by for a tour, we'll be more than happy to show them. What Don't we bring do. a camera. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, we went through Edelbrock on one of the road tours. Uh, like carburetor factory. The carburetor yeah. facility. Mind-blowing. That, that was mind-blowing in a different kind of way. Yeah. They have machines that, like, I stood at this machine. I don't even know what you'd call it, but I feel like I'm in a 1930s nuclear submarine. Mm -hmm. like an old, what do you even call it? It'd be like it? an old organ. They have, it's like f a four-man There's like machine. 47 right. different heads on, oh, like. a screw machine. 
Well, they're all the Swiss mechanical. Screw. It's all they're mechanical. Swiss, Swiss screw machines. Yeah. Doing the carburetor parts. Yeah. 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 Probably Swiss screw machine. You ever go through Iskadendrian cams? Uh-uh. No. I I had the opportunity to go through there. That's probably 10, 12 years ago. And uh, Ed took us through. He has his original cam grinder, the number one machine, and it still runs and he still uses it every day. Damn. <laughs> I mean, that's and a I machine think, from like the 40s? Yeah, it's got to be. Jesus. He's, I think Ed's 101 years old right now. I'm oh, pretty yeah. sure, yeah. And, and what, I went to dinner with him back in Indianapolis at PRI probably 10 years ago as well, maybe a little less. And he was in his early 90s, and he was on zero medication, zero. Smoke cigars, chews them, and he says, I go out for a pastrami sandwich every single day for lunch. Good for him. That's like cool. the, uh, yeah, very, the grandpa from Grumpy Old Men. Yeah. Yeah. Don't yeah. change it either. That's yeah. Just, you know, he's he's got it. But he told me how he started making cams. He was probably World War One. He came back, and he had a roadster that he was building. He went to a cam guy to do a grind on a cam. And if I remember correctly, he said the guy would not let him in the shop to show him how he grew out a camp. So he's like, well, this can't be too difficult. I'm going to figure this out. And he pioneered it and went out there and started doing camp shafts. He's got an amazing story. Remember years ago that at uh, Indy they used to do, uh, what was the show, before it moved out to California? There was the uh, HRI did a thing there with, like, the Golden Builder, but they did uh, – it's not PRI at the time. PRI was there, then it went to Orlando, then it came back. It was not PRI, but what was the one with the where they do the magazine sales and shit like that? Anyway, NMC, MPM, whatever, whatever, an abbreviation, whatever it is. They're giving they're giving Ed an award. This was probably fifteen years ago, and they had a breakfast there, stuff like that. And oh yeah, yeah. MPMC. I know what you're talking so about. So he's yeah. he's supposed yeah. to do like a little twenty minute, you know, yeah. thank you thing. I, I think he went on for an hour and a half, just telling the story, yeah. and it was like awesome, like yep. the amount of stuff, and it, I mean how he got started, and it just even how, and this was fifteen years ago. I'll tell you another thing. So I'm in Indy five years ago, and I'm going back to the hotel for the PRI show, and he's sitting in the lobby now. Ed's met me four times, maybe in his life. And he looks at me and goes, I know you. And I'm like, how in the heck does he remember me? I'm not a camp customer, you know. He says, I went to dinner with you and so-and-so and so-and-so. I said, yeah. I go, how you doing? And he goes, I'm doing good. My hands get a little cold, he says, over here in this weather. And that's it. And he was getting ready to go to dinner. But he remembered. Then I saw him out at the Roadster Show in Pomona before COVID. Um, and he was signing his books. So I went over there to get a book, and as soon as I walked up, he he recognized me again. Yes. Wow. You know, so I mean, he's 98 maybe at this point. It's pretty sharp, man. Damn. To remember I, all I, these people. I meet somebody, I can't remember their fucking name two seconds Yeah, me later. too. Yeah. Good for him. How many places do you go and people walk up and you go, hey, how you doing? And I'm like, who the hell is that? Because I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm terrible with, I mean, like, names. There's oh, so man. many people. see you, guy. Yeah. 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 But. Yeah. <laughs> it's Buddy. Who's that? Uh, talking about earlier, called everybody Buddy. <laughs> the 32 Roaster, he walked through the shop. Hey, Buddy, how are you doing, Buddy? Oh, Buddy, what's going on? <laughs> so everybody was Buddy, so you didn't have to remember yeah. anything but <laughs> one name. Yeah. One of the funny things that show sometimes, are, you know, you'll, you'll be sitting there by the trailers or whatever you're working, and 
and a guy will walk up and <clears> say, uh, hey, is uh, Glenn there? You know, and I'll, I'll be over there by the back of the trailer, and uh, whoever's working at the booth will say, uh, yeah, why? I'm, I'm a good friend of Glenn's, and uh, I need that or this. You know, what, what kind of deal are you going to give me? <laughs> I said, turn around the go, he's standing right there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> Oh, but, yeah, it's been a while. I don't want right. to bug him. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yep. Best SEMA story. Well, I already told you one about Lobeck. Mm. I already told you how that went. Well, I can tell you another story. So, Troy, you know, he likes to drink his beer. And my buddy JW likes to drink vodka. So, him and uh, JW had a drinking contest. It started at the bar at the Hilton, and it was going to go. Till the first one bowed out. Well, I think JW had 28 vodkas, okay? <laughs> and it was about 4 in the morning it's at like the Atlanta. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Troy had beers like this cradling his arm because he couldn't hold them. As fast as JW's drinking them, the vodka was giving him another beer. Right? <laughs> so Troy comes walking in the restaurant. We're going to eat breakfast, and he trips over the stairs. He's got shorts on. He's got rug burns on his knees. He goes, oh, shit, what's Angie going to think when I get home? <laughs> he ditched out but uh we, had, we got another boyd story at seam if you want to hear it yeah, absolutely oh, for sure so this is at the time boyd's going public and brad uh fanshaw who was working for boyd at the time i was taking helping him go public um my booth was here world racing was here and uh jimmy smith from ultra wheel he was there, and at one time, Boyd was, uh, he had his casting foundry set up, and I guess Jimmy Jimmy from Ultra was throwing him a little bit of work, you know. Uh, so anyway, Boyd was on one of his rages again, you know. So he he comes over to my booth, and, yeah, I want to talk to the owner. Okay, that's me. And he goes on one of his rampages about, you know, wheels and this and competition, whatever. And so, you know, we, we have our words back and forth and uh he leaves uh my booth and he goes over to weld racing to see greg weld now greg weld's been in the wheel business long before boyd was ever in the wheel business okay and uh he's in there and he's greg's talking to a customer and i can see it it's, you know they're like 40 feet away and uh finally boyd butts in and he says uh, i'm looking for greg weld that's me he says, you know, you're making wheels and this and that, and I don't know what the fuck you think you are or whatever. Greg turns, or, I'm sorry, let me back up. I'm, I'm looking for Greg Weld. Greg Weld was talking to somebody, and the gentleman says, he's, he's over here. He says, he'll be with you in a minute. So he hears Boyd badgering this guy. Greg stops his conversation with the vendor that was in his booth. He turns around to Boyd, and he goes, Boyd Connington, Greg Weld, go fuck yourself. Okay, <laughs> right? And it starts, right? So now Boyd leaves there with Brad, and uh, Greg comes over to me. And he says, what the fuck was he doing over here in your booth? I said, he was bitching about us making wheels. He goes, yeah, same thing, baby. Fuck him. Who the fuck does he think he is? Blah, blah, blah. So now Jimmy Smith, who was ultra wheel, was a big company at this time, you know? So anyway, Boyd had stepped on Jimmy's toes one day with some comments. So Jimmy shows up at SEMA, and he's got five of Boyd's wheels knocked off. Okay? Boyd goes to his booth. 
just like he came to ours. And he's, he's walking around the show. He's going to everybody's booth, you know. So he gets Jimmy Smith in the booth, and he tells him, why the f- you copied my fucking wheels. Jimmy goes, yeah, I did. He says, those wheels look like my wheels. He goes, oh, Boyd, don't misunderstand me. They are fucking identical to your fucking wheels. <laughs> okay? He said, they're exactly like your fucking wheels. He goes, but before you start pissing off people in this industry, you better figure out who you're pissing off because you ain't nothing next to me. He says, and I'll copy as many more fucking wheels as I want. Okay? He said, a leopard don't change its spots, Boyd. Just remember that. You heard it right out of my voice, my mouth. Damn. That was an interesting story back in the day. Shit. Yeah, that's that's pretty heavy. The wheel yeah, the wheel, the wheel business is... Um, Make model drug dealers. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Dude, the wheel bit, the billet parts in general. I mean, how do you deal with that? Because oh, you get shit. it, man. There is a lack of creativity yeah. from up and comers that just how it's, many I've seen so many things that I'm like, well, that's a direct knockoff of yeah, what billet specialties is doing. You, you know, just let that roll. Yeah, China knocks. I don't even care anymore. Yeah. You know, I it just it's flattery. I mean, you know, just what are you gonna do? You're not going to make up the same phone call and say you don't like competition. No, I don't do it. You know what? I mean, no, it's a very interesting approach. To I mean, you, just fight, I, you just focus on what you're doing and just fuck it. Yeah. That, yeah. Honestly, just, you know, that's another thing that my dad always told me. Don't stay focused on what you're doing because back in the day when we when I would get these phone calls from Boyner, he goes, don't worry about what the fuck he's doing. Pay attention to what the fuck you're doing and just stay focused on what you're doing. Ignore him. Don't even, don't even worry about it and you will come out where you want to be, you know? So on the, on the accessory side, you know, it, it's, if, if it's a widget, you know, and it doesn't take a lot to copy it. So when we bought a scanner, right, to uh, scan surfaces and to break parts and whatnot, you know, when the guy came in to sell us that scanner, right, he told us, you know, for every one of these I sell in the United States, I sell five in China. Hmm. So what does that tell you? You know, and then it, they're buying your product, scanning it and sending it back, you know, and it's here. It's, it's just the way it is, you know, so accept it and move on. I, I think, too, the first that innovates something or builds something wins anyway because you know, you know where it started yep. or who's it's, producing it. It's always it. a copy of. Yes, of what it is. You're building the brand um, that the people yes. a lot of times are buying the brand right. and that, that's holding the value. And I think, you know, Bill Specialty's brand is worth something. Yep. And, uh, you know, if you, you know, it's just like me say, let's just say I want to get into some form of the wheel market that we're not really into. And there's a uh, a large manufacturer who builds a quality product, and you're going to go in there and say, you're going to build nothing but wheels for Lambos or for ice. Just because you build a quality product don't mean you're going to walk in there and kick their ass because their brand holds value. Yep. And nobody's going to come in here and, and beat you guys up either. That brand holds a lot of value. Sure. You've got a lot of time in engineering in this product. So they can scan everything they want to scan, but you know what? We know who did it yep. first and who's doing it. So, you know, yeah, it's, yeah, the brand, your brand is done a good job Still building nice it. to clock somebody every now and then. <laughs> it, <laughs> oh, it is. I, I got a buddy of mine. He'd have no problem knocking anybody out that you wanted to right there if that's what it was, you know. We'll settle this an eye for an eye, pal. That's the way it goes, uh, you know. But what about yeah. you? Best SEMA story or any car show story? I, I've never been to SEMA before. 
Get out of here. Oh, really? Never seen my. Never. My daughter's birthday was uh, was right always that weekend. So when Damn. she was growing up, I was always then. As I got, it, there's really no reason for me to be there. Well, car show Your stories. Voice, you know what I mean, damn, you've been at every, you've well, been at every show there is. Hey, this guy's a legend. He hasn't had to spend any money on a booth. He hasn't had <laughs> to buy any ads. Yeah. And he's got more money than all of us sitting at this table. Yeah, I right. know it. Right. You know. Yeah. So you know what, Jeremy? He is the winner. Oh, I, yeah. There's no question I mean, look, about that. Man. He's buying all your chassis. Who else is buying all your I chassis? I always thought, look at him, I'm like, man, he's making more money than we are. Yeah. Selling our chassis. <laughs> like, good yeah. for him, but good for him. You know, if he wants to fucking yeah. buy them, and he wants to put his neck out there and fucking and every sit day, on the end, good. You got how many employees here and how many aggravation, how much shit you got to deal with, and then all the engineering drawings and all the bullshit, and tweak this, make a change, make an adjustment, make a revision. And this guy's like, send it. Yeah. Yeah, he might not look it, but he might be smarter than all of us, huh? He's not stupid. That's for damn sure. <laughs> I was gonna say one of the best stories was was what Glenn already said about <clears throat> changing the wheels in the parking lot. Yeah, and, I've uh, heard that about you from like twenty different people. I never knew it was a car you sold to Glenn. Yeah, no, I didn't well, buy the car. He oh. was selling the car. Yeah, I, sold oh. it I to, wanted to I sold it the to wheels. Kurt Cunningham wanted to take it home with him because his buddy in Kansas City wanted it. So. I had already bought another car that makes it easy for me. So, yeah, here, just take it. I need my wheels back. So I swap But them. the kicker was the bumper jack with the tire iron out of the chunk. Yeah. I'm jacking it up, okay? That, I something. mean, floor jacks were around at this time. <laughs> yeah. And it was easier to do. And if he would have asked me, I would have went to the trailer and got him one to do it. But he was yeah, well on his way. I think he was on the last wheel. tire iron, spinning it. Yeah. Damn. I'm like, what are you doing? i got to take the wheels off, man. Uh, no, we need, we need two sets of those wheels out here running yeah. around. Let that. I, I, I think I told him, I said, I get you all the ones you want. This ain't a museum, man. You just let me know what you need. <laughs> that, that. And let me tell you, he started buying wheels and buying more wheels, more wheels. But uh, yeah. no, it's a good relationship. And everything's built on relationships. I, I'm still old school. You know, when you, yep. you've got friends and <clears throat> if your word ain't any, what is it? You know, I mean, you, you got to stand sure. up for what, what you want to do and, and believe in and take care of the customer. You know, if if he calls me up and say, hey, man, the two wheels are damaged, I don't need to tell Boris, you need to send me a picture. You need to do, just tell me what the hell we need to do to replace the two wheels that got damaged or something. You know, some people are full of shit and others aren't. Yeah, yeah you can tell pretty quick. Yeah. So. Yeah. In this whole industry, anybody that's full of shit, everybody knows about it and everybody yeah. else just who like you said. who would you say those people are? Like if you had to, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hey, I'm gonna write a book. I'm taking a page out of Josh's I, I book. Here. I got another story for you though. <laughs> same. I'm gonna write a book about the people that I don't deal with anymore and the reason. I'm just waiting. What will be the first Facebook chapter? page? <laughs> yeah. Facebook page. Does any of you guys know Fat Jack? No, I know. Uh, sure. I got a couple stories about Jack. So one year we're in Columbus, Ohio, and uh, Boyd's there. And, Back in the day, I mean, Boyd would bring a truck full of T-shirts, guys. A truck full, box truck, right? And sell T-shirts. That's how hot the marketplace was back then. You know, you go now, if you sell 50 T-shirts, you know, sure. it's a shit ton, okay? Unless you're Kindig. Yeah, yeah, well, that's TV. Yeah, Dave's sending some. Yeah, that's TV, shirts. man. Yeah, good know. guys used to have a line, the 53 feet of the semi yeah. and 20 deep. Yep. So, so anyway, Jack's there. He's got this big old thick beard, you know, and he knew Boyd. His shop was down the street in Stanton, California as well. And uh, 
Jack and uh, John Butera were also buddies back in the day. They owned Ultra Cars. So Fat Jack's eating an Italian sausage sandwich, right, with red sauce. And he walks up to Boyd's booth, and he's eating his sausage sandwich. He's got this red sauce in his beard. He grabs a fucking T-shirt off the table and goes, <laughs> fuck you, right? <laughs> fuck you. Throws it down, and Boyd's yeah. MFing him, you know, and whatnot. Uh, yeah, that was one story, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and then I met... The SEMA show coming out of the Hilton, going past the bar in the old days when it was there. And and Fat Jack is there, and he's talking to another buddy of mine from California. And he had never met me. And uh, so he knew that Boyd was always bitching about me or whatever. So this buddy of mine says, hey, Jack, I want to introduce you to somebody. Yeah, what's up? Jack, Fat Jack Robinson. I go, Glenn, where are you from? I go, Bill of Specialties. He turns around and goes, holy fuck. This is the dude that needs a wheelbarrow to ring his balls through this joint. He goes, <laughs> he goes nice to meet you, man. You know, that's how it went. That was a SEMA story. Damn. Then there's another story that Chuck Lombardo at California Street Rod had years ago. So Chuck had some kind of. still around? He's in Pennsylvania. He moved back there. He's originally from yeah. the Pittsburgh area. That, that was a huge name. Yeah. For a long time. And he's. He's not doing real well from what I'm told. I think he's got some dementia going on. Sure. Um, but anyway, he was having like an open house or something, you know. And, and Boyd at the time was driving. This is 1985. So the Lincoln LSC Mark 7s or 5s or whatever they were, were out in them days. And I can remember Boyd's car. He had a set of 16-inch billet wheels on it, you know, and uh, lowered it. It had air suspension, so it was easy to lower. And he came there and... Boyd's inside, and Jack goes up to him, and he says, Hey, Jack, uh, Boyd, I need to move your car. Boyd throws him the keys. Jack goes outside, and him and Boyd were always going at it. He pulls that Lincoln up against the building. This buddy of mine was there. He says, puts it against the building, puts the pedal to the fucking mat, sticks it, gets out of the car, closes the fucking door, <laughs> and is burning the tires off the back. Off the tire, tires gone, on the rims, grinding grooves in the fucking parking lot. Goes inside, he says, Boyd, I think there's something going on with your car out there. You better go check it out. <laughs> Nuts, man. That's Holy that's shit. told by, to me from Chuck Lombardo. <laughs> we don't do any cool shit. I, that's what I'm thinking fun. right now. I'm like, we yeah. suck. Yeah. We suck. This our summer gen- is going to be our generation redemption. <laughs> and Phil's <laughs> thinking to himself, he's like, God, I wish you wouldn't say this yeah. shit because that's, these two morons are going to be doing That's why I asked really to get away with this shit nowadays. Yeah. You know, these no. guys back then, you know, all these guys were in their 40s back then. Not. 65. Yeah. But it so was a lot not of fun. 65. I mean, I used to go out, me and Brizio, I carried Roy Brizio in Kalamazoo, Michigan. It was his <clears> 32nd <throat> birthday. He was so drunk. We got him so drunk. I threw him over my shoulder like a sack of potatoes, carried him up the elevator, carried him to his room, threw him in his bed, put the garbage can next to his bed. He didn't show up the next day till two o'clock. He's walking through the show and uh, Wings is broadcasting, okay, for the NSRA. Wings. <laughs> and he goes, glad you could make it, Roy. You still look a little green today, you know, across the whole PA system. <laughs> and Roy, we had another story, me and Roy, out in San Francisco. I went to visit him in uh, 2003 or four, And we went down to the uh, cafe in town. They were famous for Irish coffees. And uh, we were out there all night hooping it up. And it, he went home. Steve Coonan was with us. So the next day, I get up and I go to Roy's shop, and he's not there. You know, Roy's a guy. He's there at 6.30 every morning. 
He shows up at 1.30 in the afternoon. He calls me up. He said, you son of a bitch. Don't ever come back to San Francisco. I'm never going out with you again. He said, I was sick to my, I can't even move. I can't even function. It's 2 o'clock in the afternoon, you know. But uh, me and him had a lot of good times, too. Sure yeah, we did. got through those years. We were partying pretty hard for a little while there. Yeah. Like we're getting old. We're hitting that that age now. We're, yeah. It, it just it just happens. Yeah. There'd you know. be, I mean, there's even this last SEMA. I mean, there was nights we were in at like 1045, finish up a drink. And you're like, I guess it's time to go to bed. Everybody's gone. I, I look forward to Columbus because people are out in the parking lot. Yeah. That's the only show. Yeah. That that kind of goes on. You go to Louisville to the Street Rod Nationals, that shit don't go on no yeah. more down there. It used to be like Yeah, I mean mad. I had Danny Burroughs, you know. Oh, okay, yeah. old Danny. <laughs> He's there one night. It's me, him, Jack Trepanier. Uh I don't know who else was with it. And Danny was freaking hammered, right? He's bent over, head against the wall, and he's pissing in a plant in the lobby of the hotel, the headquarters <laughs> hotel. Yeah. Well, that's, and then that's, he's, he's imitating. Like an average night. Yeah. yeah, and he's imitating George. I'm George Poteet. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It was, it, it, he was so fucked up, you know? Louisville used to be. Oh, it was We'd off, be out to hook, off, dude. Yeah. Anytime that I had gone to a NSRA event, good guys event through the 80s and early 90s, we were never in the hotel before 4 in the morning. Yeah. Ever. And we were back at the fairgrounds at 8 o'clock. That was all of us. That was me, Brizio, and any yeah. of them. Yeah, because you're afraid someone's going to come by and start tapping <laughs> on that yeah. fucking No wrist. shit. <laughs> oh, we we <laughs> got to get the band back <laughs> together. Yeah. We grew up doing that. I mean, yeah. all the shows, we, we yeah. were part, I mean, we were partying our asses up between, you know, all the good guys stuff, the NSRA stuff, and SEMA. I mean, you're not, we were doing that 2, 3, yeah. 4 in the morning every night. So, you know, you go out, we get like a new sales guy. And it's like you've built. We're trained. We're right. basically professionals. Exactly. That's some fucking endurance. Yeah. And you, yes. so you'll bring out like you take on a new sales guy, and it's like ten right. o'clock at night. This dude's hammered, drunk. You know, right? He's <laughs> making a fool out of himself, throwing up, doing something. You know, who knows what? And like you're just accustomed to it. It's not, yeah. it's not something to brag. It's probably not a great thing. That it's not a bad the thing. The week of yeah. SEMA, we'd be out there the week. I don't think you'd sleep three hours a night. No, yeah. for a whole week. I don't. I mean, that's the way it new, was. I don't think these new <clears throat> new shops and, and younger guys coming up. I don't think they do it that way anymore. No, we don't no. do it that way anymore. Well, of course, we're older. Yeah. You gotta, yeah. But I mean, ten years ago, like Sema, you were in bed at five and then back. Yeah, we're not the even. Floor, in, not even in. Absolutely, just come to yeah. the show in the same. You'd sometimes place. go in, in there, take an hour and take a shower and leave again. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we, yeah, we did that plenty of times. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's like nine forty-five. I remember. Rolling down to Knoxville, Tennessee to the Mini Nats for the NSRA. Get there. Thursday night to be a kickoff party, okay, at a hotel. I can remember being in there with Lobeck and Brizio and these guys. I mean, shit-faced, okay? I'd heard stories Hold about Lo, uh, Lobeck and Skip Walls and their, how long they could drink, and I don't think anybody could out-drink them. Yeah, Barry was almost Then Barry would take his teeth out, his false teeth out. And he'd be working the trailer the next day, and you could just tell he didn't have his teeth, and you know he'd be over there, <laughs> fucking. He, he was he was a character man. How about that? How about being in Kalamazoo, Michigan? I got a few stories in that town. Yeah, that Kalamazoo. sucks in general, right yeah. there. Yeah. So, so, <laughs> I'm with Bob Davison from Outlaw Performance back in the day. Okay, and 
that guy was a craftsman, believe it or not. Have you ever met this guy? The fiberglass Willie's yeah, body? Yeah, but Chet, Bob is very talented, okay? And me and him became good friends, you know? And so, you know, Bob's a biker. He's burly, big dude. And Judy, his wife, was a great lady. We're in the bar, and the guy's throwing Judy out of the bar, right? Because she called the bartender a fucking pussy. Give me another drink. Or, hey, bitch, give me another drink. Well, you got to go, bitch. You're out of line. She wasn't out of line. He was whatever they were doing. So now Bob's in there, and Bob's, you know, he looks right through you. you know. Hey, sir, come over here. Three-state trooper, police officers come there. He goes, you want me? Come get me. The bar's packed like this, bump, you know, elbow to elbow. <laughs> he goes, I ain't coming out. You want me? Come fucking get me. And this little, little police officer's looking at him like, I ain't fucking going. Because <laughs> Bob goes, when you come here to get me, this joint's going to be fucking destroyed. I guarantee you I'm going to wreck this fucking bar. Okay? So long story short, this goes on for 45 minutes. Finally, Bob walks over like, what's the problem? He goes, you're getting out of the hotel. We're kicking out. He goes, kicking me out for what? What, the, what did I do? I did nothing. You come over here. You want my wife out of here? I didn't do anything to anybody. I just told you, you want to come talk to me? You come talk to me. I'm not coming out there. So anyway, he's out of there. So now Lobeck is over there in the bar, and there's some guy mouthing off to Barry. You know how Barry gets, right? He's hammered. <laughs> so this guy's talking shit about a Lobeck car. And Barry goes, hey, motherfucker, shut the fuck up. You don't know what you're talking about, blah, blah, blah. They go on. So this guy's going up to his room, and Barry goes to me. He goes, hey, hold my fucking drink. Where are you going? He says, I'm going to the elevator. I'm going to kick the fuck out of that motherfucker. <laughs> what? You're going to do what? He goes, yeah, elevator ride's going to be fun. I'll be back in a few minutes. He got in that elevator, whooped that guy, and came back down. Damn. Yeah, you're right. This Dude, summer I, this summer oh, going to yeah. be a wreck. I've got a newfound respect because I always look, Barry Lobeck, I always felt like. We saw him in his later years. We saw him in his later years, but his booth was always behind us. Mm -hmm. And I always felt like if I walked over to his booth, he was going to be over there playing canasta with a bunch of other, like, 75-year-old women. Nope. <laughs> he, he just looked, he looked like my grandmother. Yeah. yeah. You know, well, he... We went to go see him on his deathbed. Uh, yeah. We, we went to go visit him. Ben goes, how you doing, Barry? He says, he says, what are you doing, Barry? He goes, Dying. What's the fucking look like I'm doing? Exactly. That's what he said to me. You know, and I, I did that low back wheel <clears> style <throat> yeah. in tribute to him. And I brought in there, man, he just got tears in his eyes. Yeah. You know, but uh, he was in bed. Yeah, he was he in He died hospice. the next day, but he, yeah, was, he was in, in bed hospice. eating chicken wings. Yeah, I came. It was PRI. It was in Orlando at the time. I flew back. I called Gary Case and you. And I said, let's go see Lobeck. I flew into Cleveland. You guys picked me up. And we went over there to see him. He was dead the next day or the day after. But, Damn. You know, um, you know, but these are guys that were, you know, trendsetters back in the day. You know, you could oh, tell yeah. a Lobeck car, too. Oh, of course. When you've yeah. seen a Lobeck car, you see an Alloway car, you know. what? You knew the stance yeah. or where that car was from, you know. Sure. Um, and we've lost a lot of those guys, you know. And then the younger guys, I honestly don't know as many of them like I had the relationship with those guys, yep. you know what I mean, when we came up. So, uh, but I have a lot of respect for the builders that are out there today because they're building beautiful stuff, man. Yeah, there's some good, beautiful stuff. Some good dudes out there. Yep. Mm -hmm. They just need to start fighting more, you know. Yeah, yeah there ain't none of that. <laughs> no. 
fucking no, shit up this. in hotels. It's this. <laughs> it's this. Right, put your phone yeah, down. Fuck you. Get in the elevator. No, start kicking no crap I'm not out doing it. People. Why did you copy my fucking <laughs> yeah, bracket? You what did you do? Don't text yeah. him. Just clock the fucking shit out of him. Take him for an elevator ride. That's pretty badass. It's really yeah. badass. Yeah. It's like going to the train station. Oh, yeah. We, just, we had a lot of fun, man. Holy shit. But it was a different time, you know. And I honestly, I miss it because me, Boris, you guys would be in Columbus, Mike Eden. Yeah. We'd be in that parking lot at 3, 4 in the morning oh, still, yeah. man. And every, it's like a ghost town. They roll the carpet up at freaking 11 o'clock. They're gone. It is. I've noticed that the past few you know? years. This so, year. Yeah. But we're let's, let's burn that motherfucker let's bring down. Bring it fucking. Yeah, back. you need to. Yeah, I wanted to tell you guys. Gary Case told me that hotel's for sale. Is it really? Yeah, not bad either. Three million. Yeah, you should buy that motherfucker. Yeah, what are you gonna do with it? The other three hundred sixty-three days You gotta you blow it out wheels. for Can one week. You store wheels in that motherfucker <laughs> anywhere? Can we make a warehouse? Wheels and chassis, dude. Yeah. But it's funny at the end of the night. I mean, honestly, it's always like it's the fucking Paisan boys and you guys. Yeah. And, and we were usually yeah. out there shooting and yeah. And that is it. Yeah. Like that you know, is it. We need to buy it just to fire. I know who the first person <laughs> we're fucking <laughs> firing. <laughs> the one that fucking checked us in. Yeah, that, yeah. that motherfucker getting tossed. Well, how did that go down again? It didn't go down great. <laughs> and we'll probably keep it off the air. But that one. Yeah. Especially you, Mr. Gerber. Yeah. <laughs> Our badass stories involve checking into a hotel room. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's we've we have gotten into and Almost gotten into way more fights just trying to check into a hotel. Always with staff. Yeah. Are you guys doing the tour? Any of the tours this year? We're gonna do something. I don't know what. Yeah, I know what that uh, Barrett's gonna do a tour for uh, Mike Eden. Oh, are they really? Really? Yeah, Ed's gonna put it together. So it's gonna come from Mike's shop, and then I don't know. It's gonna probably end yeah. up in Florida or something. I don't know yeah, I'd like to be a part of that. I, love I would Mike. too. Yeah, he was a good dude. He good fucking. He dude. loved you guys. Mike was great fucking dude, yeah, he man. Was, yeah. Yeah, he was one of my best friends, man. Definitely. And there's an interesting story of how I met Mike Eden. I was in uh, Carlisle with Chicane. And, uh, Hershey. Or Hershey, yes, Hershey. And uh, it was me and Jack Trepanier. Uh, Gary Case was there. You. Um, so we had had the Chicane on. So, of course, you know, Mike had come by and he was looking at it. I didn't know Mike Eden at all or Lonnie Gordon. Yeah. And... Uh, so that's the first time I ever met these guys. So we go out to dinner, and it's uh, Mike Eden is there, and Lonnie and Courtney. Um, so after dinner, Mike's out there by a Chevelle wagon. It's a two-door wagon, right? So I'm like, man, I like that car. I'm going to go see if I can buy that car. This is a four-door wagon. This is a four-door? Yeah. So anyway, I go over there. I said, hey, you want to sell this car? Is it for sale? He goes, no, this car's not for sale. And, of course, I tell him, come on, man, everything's for sale. He's like, no, this car ain't for sale. Well, he knew me, okay, but I didn't know him. <laughs> so anyway, we we bullshit a little bit. So the next day, they're over at the car show, and he's coming around. He's looking at Chicane. He had his Nova there, too, at the time. And we just started talking and talking about cars and different shit. And one thing led to another, and he started talking about manufacturing, and he's in the shop. And, man, we just hit it off, you know. Um, so... We became really good friends from that point on. And if Mike Eden was alive today, Mike Eden would own the chicane. Yeah. He would have bought it. He would have bought sure. it. Oh. And he would always tell me, I can't afford it. And I said, Mike, you can afford it. I said, you can take that car right now, and you can take the next five years to pay me for that car if you yeah. want that car. 
Yeah, and then you, know. you pull the motor, put a big block in it. Yeah, exactly. Fucking red interior. Yeah, I was busting Mike's balls forever. But the last thing we were doing for him was that El Camino chassis. And I'm like, Mike, you're not putting a fucking big block oh, yeah, in yeah. this thing. He's like, hell yeah, but I'm putting a 540 in that thing. Like, what is the matter with you? Exactly. <laughs> like, you love that no. If I if I had the chance to do it over again, I put that big block in that 55 I built, right? Yeah. Fuck that thing. It'd be out of there, and there'd be an LSX 454 or something in that thing. Not, not that, but you know what? That's what I wanted, a big block because the era that I came out of. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And then Mike's like, you got to fucking put a big block in that car. <laughs> fuck that. You know, fuck that LS shit. You know? But, uh, you know, after I drove a couple cars with some LSs in them, I was like, yeah, no. This, Especially this, when you're going on those road trips. Yeah. It, I mean, exactly. <clears throat> you know? Because you're going to get so, in traffic. And, and it's I think be fucking hot as shit. Yeah. And the other thing Where's is. your garage floor afterwards? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> where you take these cars we're doing today, right, that you're building. If we go out there and put big block Chevys in them, we might as well be putting flatheads in them because that's really how yeah. far back you're going back, yeah. right? When you're looking at this, anybody that's going to buy that 68 Camaro, 70 Chevelle, whatever it is you're doing, is going to be a generation even beyond you guys now younger, right? They don't know what a big block Chevy is. They have no freaking, there's not going to be anybody to even work on them when you think about it anymore, okay? No. It's going to be all fuel injected stuff. So, you're making a big mistake if, if you're going to put an investment into these cars, unless it's a timeless, restored, classic muscle car. You need to put an LS in it because the next guy that's going to buy it isn't going to buy it with the big block Chevy in it. He's going to want an LS with a Tremec or a 4L80 or whatever it is. He's going to want the drivability to pay for the car. So everything I own, guys, from now on, I guess it's got to get an LS. Or LT and a roadster shop jacket. Yeah, of course. yeah, that's, yeah. that's just yeah. I don't know if I can get one though. Yeah, Boris got him fucking Boris in got stock. The fucking Zars got him all cornered. <laughs> the chassis are, you know. Uh, yeah, but you could. Oh, dude, I could bring yeah. it up here. You could work on it too a little bit. Oh yeah, so yeah I could get in line. Don't worry. About it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I got to spread it around. I got to give you, you a shot. You know. Yeah, give us one. give us one. You got a car with I, a roadster I shop I guarantee you I will give you one. <laughs> I will He's, give you one. I'd love to do one for you, man. Hey. You've got a car with the roaster shop chassis. Oh, yeah. Hey, yeah. hey this one. is the best Mikey story. Oh, fuck. I'll let you tell it. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. 62 bubble top. We know where this is going. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's upside down. Guys owes me a ton of money or a ton of work. But, you know, obviously he's going away, and I got to get my car out of there. Sure. So Mike, Eden, and Lonnie are going to get this car. So they go to get the car, and I'm sitting in my engineering room. Mike Eaton calls me on the phone. He goes, hey, he goes, we got, we got a fucking problem. I go, what do you mean we got a problem? He goes, I mean, we got a fucking problem, Glenn. <laughs> he says, this, this motherfucker says you owe him 13 grand. I said, what? I go, fuck you. Who says I owe him 13 grand? His guy's here. He said, this car ain't leaving unless we give him 13 grand. Man, I... I go from mild to wild in like a millisecond, man. You know, you've been in my shop. You could hear me in the back, okay? <laughs> I go, you tell that motherfucker. I'm getting in a fucking car right now. I'm coming over there. Fuck that. So he's got me going, you know? And he's like, I'm telling you, he ain't giving me the fucking car. Yeah, he, just, I, he said some 15-year-old kid over here to yeah, meet me. Yeah, he's, this guy's over here to meet me. You ain't getting the fucking car. I go, oh, you're getting the fucking car. I go, you just stay there. I'll get in the fucking car now, and I'll drive to fucking Pennsylvania. So anyway, 
he's got to go. So finally, all of a sudden, Lonnie can't take it no more. Lonnie's sitting in the passenger seat, and he just busts out laughing, right? Forget you, you, the best part. He puts him on the phone. Oh, yeah. He puts him on the phone. Here, you talk to the fucking kid. <laughs> and it's Lonnie, right? No, it was it was Jake. Wasn't it Jake? No, no, and Jake Lonnie. And, okay, Jake it was Lonnie. And, and, and so... He, he says, if you're so tough, how come you didn't come yourself and pick up the car? Yeah, or something like that, right? <laughs> and I fucking... I'm gone, man. Gone. <laughs> right? And this is when I start, you know, threatening the guy, and I'm coming out there, and blah, blah, blah. So now... Lonnie busts out laughing. Nobody has ever, ever pulled a shot on me like that where I bought. I mean, he gutted me from, he gutted me, okay? So it's been an ongoing story ever since, you know? But, uh, hey, I wish Mike Eden was still here because we'd have more of them. Oh, yeah. but, yeah. uh, but I got even with Mike, but we can't talk about that story right now. Well, that was in Columbus. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, Mike. Mm -hmm. that, uh, that bubble top. It's kind of an iconic car because it came here before we ever met you. You want it back? <laughs> no. Nah, it's, like Phil said, it's got bad juju. Bad but it came here before we ever met you to have a chassis, and that was the first right. Impala chassis yeah. that we did, which also this, this ties know in. it was yours. Well, this ties into another story of my dad <clears throat> throwing shit away. Remember? We had a fucking scrap in and we had the x frame that came out of it and he's like what the fuck or what the fuck is this thing doing here so that's where it went yeah you were looking for it right <laughs> throws the motherfucker in the scrap bin right so it's sitting in the scrap bin also sitting in the scrap bin is a tremendous amount of water right because it doesn't drain out of the scrap right. bin well the guy who commissioned the installation of the chassis Shows up and he's like, "Well, where's the where's the old chassis that came out of it? We need that." So we're freaking because we're like, "This is the guy that owns built specialties. That this is his." I didn't car. want it. I didn't ask for oh, it. Okay, but we're like freaking out. We're like, you know, I didn't know you at the time. We're like, "Oh, oh shit!" And we're like, Dad threw the motherfucker away. Like, <laughs> shit, <laughs> it's in the fucking scrap bin, right? So we're chaining and hoisting this son of a bitch out of the scrap bin. Dripping with water, right? Well, he sold. I don't know where it went, money. right? But yeah, yeah, yep, yeah. So yeah, but Mike got me on that deal, big. Time. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny as shit. Yeah, it was. Like, like he used to say, "I don't think Phil likes me. I don't think he gets my sense of humor." I go, "Yes, he does." Yeah. Believe me. <laughs> it, it takes a while to come around to it to find out oh. if he's joking or just fucking with you. Or he was in town. uh for a tool and die show, something going on. And it, it happened to be my birthday that weekend. So he was in town, and uh, we all went to dinner with my family, my sisters, brother-in-law, junior. So we're sitting at the restaurant, and everybody's ordering food, and my mom's there. And he says, uh, he says, hey, Ma, you want me to call you Mom, or you want me to call you Grandma? She says, Mike, you can call me whatever you want. Okay. He said, well, I, I just figured, you know, we got the family here. I want to make an announcement tonight, you know, and, he says, Junior, I don't know how you're going to take this shit. He says, but your old man adopted me. <laughs> he said, I'm your big brother. Right? And Junior goes to him. He goes, yeah. He says, well, I can tell you what, Mike. We're going to have two of every fucking thing. Two of everything. There's nothing bad with that. He said, and he's going to pay for it all. Uh, On that one tour that ended up in uh, Key West, uh, Mikey kept egging on uh, uh, Jesse. 
every time we go somewhere, it's, we, I think it started because we were stopping at Alloway's and Jesse was going to go do something else. And he goes, oh, you, you, you and Bobby didn't straighten up that, straighten out that thing that you had. And Jesse's like, what, what are you talking about? Is, is Bobby mad at me? <laughs> so everywhere we would go, he'd say, hey, did, uh, we're going into, getting into Florida. He goes, did you talk, did you call the, the governor, make sure it was okay for you, did you guys straighten everything out? So one day, Jesse had something on his, uh, on his Instagram, maybe talking about his dad. And I just wrote, hey, Jesse, I'm glad you and your dad got everything straightened out. <laughs> he called me up. He's like, dude, like everybody's calling me. Thought me and my dad had a falling out. Oh, shit. Yeah, Mike had him. It was, I miss the guy. Good dude. Oh, yeah, he was. And we need to plan that road. We, we got to do that road trip this year. Yeah. Road tour. It's supposedly going to be Bear Jackson that's doing it. Ed's doing it. And, uh, of course, he's got me signed up, you know, for major sponsor to that event. Of course. Yeah, you should. You should do that. I'll do it for Mike. Like a great idea. Yeah. We're kind of sponsors because we've paid for the last two and then never showed yeah. up to yeah. actually go. Yeah, we do do that. Yeah. So. Yeah, but I think Barry got all the spots <laughs> and the shirts that <laughs> ended up getting used. Yeah. Uh, well, guys, it's been awesome. We got to do a whiskey review first, and then we're going to wrap this up. This is Special Reserve. Oh, yeah. And I don't know if we've done it. Yeah, people get people get upset that we yeah. do not. We yeah, missed the whiskey review section of the podcast. I wish I could do it with you. Try some real quick. Long we'll ride home. A little taster. Yeah, just a little taste. We haven't done a review on this yeah, yet? Yeah, I'll get pulled over. No, I think we've drank yeah, it several times. He just, times times we just needs to swallow. Um, I think we've drank this, yeah, many times without a... Uh, it's the one we always miss. We get too drunk and forget about we it. Did, we drank it with Greening, with Jesse, just speaking of Jesse, and we did not review it. Um, and we drank it again at some point and did not review it. Yeah, we did a Weller 12 there. What did it, what did it is? We didn't review that either. No. That's an easy review. That's an 8-0 all That's day long. That's I was going with. <clears throat> Fucking You're, uh, solid. Yeah, special reserves in 8-0? Oh, yeah. All day long. What do you got, Phil? I was going to go the same number. Um, if you can ever find it, buy it as much as you can. Or if you're Josh, you buy it a case at a time. Well, that's across. You the wouldn't board. want your wife doing what she has to do to get that case. So. <laughs> <laughs> got to do what you got to do. Yeah, I you appreciate can, you taking one for the team. You can find Maybe it. Maybe taking two for the team. Yeah, I don't know how many she's taking. I get a case. So I get twelve. Uh, yeah, you can you can find it. Uh, can you? Ish. I mean, places yeah, you start looking for it. It's. Uh, not the easiest thing, but it's uh, not the hardest thing either. But yeah, eight zero across the board. It's a solid review. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to Oil and Whiskey with the Roadster Shop, an ironclad original. If you like the show, be sure to leave a rating and a review. Check out our new Oil and Whiskey YouTube page. Thanks again to our guests, Boris and Glenn, Billet Specialties, Street Machinery. Anything else they need to know? Where can they check you guys out? We already talked about yeah. streetmachinery.com, billetspecialties.com. At Bill especially is on Instagram. Glad to do it. What news? What shows are you going to be at next? Well, we'll be in Columbus. Good guys. We'll be at NSRA. We'll be at the Triple Crown. Um, probably LS Fest in Bowling Green. Triple and Crown. Glenn's sponsoring the uh, kickoff party. Yep. And Boris oh. is everywhere. 
Yeah. Always. So you're sponsoring yes. the kickoff party, so we're going to do it old school. We're going to stay up till four in the morning. And yeah. fight some motherfuckers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're supplying, I'm we're supplying the fucking liquor. Food. We're, yeah, oh, we're, we're fucking doing, doing it. Hell yeah. We're drinking, it. fighting. My yeah. buddy Gary Case, he said, you're, you're going to step up. It's no fucking problem. Let's do it. Yeah, Boris. I feel like we didn't touch on Boris's uh, oh, street machine. Yeah. Is that where you're going? No, the, the whole new facility. and. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I got, a, I got a story to tell you about that. I was supposed to get a lot of wheels in there, except there's too many roadster shop chassis stacked Dude, in you there. Could you could put them on top four of them, them on each chassis. Yeah, yeah, it's just like a display. Don't forget, we sell LS intake manifolds, too. Those take up a lot of space. I think we yeah, got you over do. a thousand yeah. of them in there. You get a true That's track true. on the front of that. You can intake yeah, I sold them a bunch. valve covers. I, I did sell them a bunch of LS true tracks that were. You guys having a hard time getting engines? Uh, I haven't needed yeah, one in a while. Right. We're not doing crazy volume, so we're doing all right. Yeah. Yeah, we yeah. had a hard time there. I, I accidentally oversold. Thought I had more than I did. And promised engines to a bunch of different people. I was in a tight spot for a while. Thought I was going to. But uh, I managed to find a few. You've, you've shifted the business model a little bit, haven't you? On what you were doing versus the new direction. More products and less projects. And Facebook, street machinery, is that just street machinery? Oh, uh, Marketplace. Swap, Sunday Swaparama. Yeah, Sunday you've Swaparama, be accept- that's our group. You've got to be accepted to it, right? Uh, I don't. I think face- Facebook has changed the way that they do it. I think anybody can be on okay. it now. But well, if you don't follow that. We kick you know. people off of their own. Yeah, then you aren't a car enthusiast. Right. And if yeah, you want to purchase something. eBay, basically. Right. Yeah, well, it's... Uh, you know, we, at, when it first started, we were getting the cream of the crop, and we were really getting good stuff. I was buying, I was buying a lot off of there. But uh, anymore, it's just your typical because there's so many groups. People just yeah, they flooded all over the yeah. place. But back in the day, man, I was getting, you know, I, I would, I'd have to approve every ad. So, you know, the $40,000, 58 Impala convertible, those the Sixty-two. They never tops. wound up being for sale. <laughs> no, it was right, exactly. I, re- I remember when I first started, a guy posted it, and he had one digit transposed on his phone number, or it was like missing a digit. I tried every combination. I first I hey your phone number doesn't have the full number in it, and then I tried. I looked up the area code, and that was a legit area code. So I'm like, well, maybe he just forgot the last digit. So I'd call every number and add a one to it, three, four, five. Couldn't get a hold of. Finally, he reached out to me. I said, hey. Take that car. So yeah, we uh we definitely got some good stuff off of there over the years. Yeah, you better get on Facebook yeah. Street Machine Swaparama. Check it out. If you are not following that, just not a car yeah, enthusiast. Probably a loser. You guys yeah. bought some stuff off of there, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. I've bought plenty. That's three cars, I think. Yeah, G- Gavin in Florida said you bought a uh, Malibu or something. Yeah, even even right down the street from here. What's the dude's name in? He's like on the oh, north. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't sell him that truck, though. It had your fucking <laughs> sticker in the back. Yeah, yeah. I, I had the truck, but I didn't yeah. sell it to him. I still have it. It's sitting yeah. in my Yeah, we got that one. We bought the red uh, 74. Uh, we probably bought a half dozen a year. The gold uh, Chevelle is what he's talking about. Yeah. Oh, the gold Gavin. Chevelle is sick. Yeah. We stole that one. Gavin fucked up on that one. That's it. That I was don't the think deal. he did. He sure did. That's it. That is a badass car. He's got to find the customer to build it for. Yeah. So come around. We got a 61 flat roof Impala. I got the twin. I can't 
give the fucking car I'll take away. It. Really? You can give it to me. No, Why we want to build want it so bad. We pitch it to every car. customer. It's like the coolest thing. Original paint-ish, some spotted in here and there, black with like a gray interior. When you went and looked at yeah. Georgia, yeah, way black and white, and yeah. palette trim. I have the Forever twin to again. that with the red interior with yeah. 18,000 miles. If you yeah. want to be cool. Yeah, everyone's like, oh, no, I want the bubble top version. This is no, way, way better. Yeah. Way better. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, everybody wants the bubble top. You want to be cool? Get the Lund's, flat roof. Lund's got one. I, well, his is an Impala. His is a Biscayne, but it's badass. I sold he, that other blue one I he had. Tr- was he tried nice. to sell it back to me today, and I said, okay. And I realized he's he an LS, fuck, guys. He was fucking with me. <laughs> he's got a fucking six Do you want to buy that for 30 grand? Like, that, that goes <laughs> against my grain. You need to put a chassis in an LS. Yeah, it needs, yeah. It doesn't need paint or nothing. It's a nice car, man. Come see me Monday. I'll get you a chassis. Hell <laughs> <Not like>, yeah. <laughs> All right, awesome, guys. guys. Appreciate it. Hey, thank you. And yeah, thanks for thanks, everything guys. you guys yeah. do for us, yeah. too. We appreciate it, man. Appreciate you. Yeah. Thanks, fellas. We'll see you again next week.